You are listening to Unapologetic Talk, brought to you by We The People. Bringing some common sense with a little New York disrespect. We The People, for the people, by the people. You. What's up, everybody? This yeah. is Lully Rebel. This is Dimes Cartier. Rudy Fraser. Yeah, this is Unapologetic Talk. Talk. What's up? You. Yeah. Um, today, we're just going to give y'all, you know what I mean, a couple of updates. Uh, I really got an interesting story for y'all. Um... And uh, we we got a we got a fire ass guest today. Um, uh, first, let me let me start y'all off with with, with Eric Adams, the newest uh, updates with that. Um, uh, recently, we just seen that uh, the, a couple of days ago they just seized his phones, his laptops, all his uh, devices. The FBI seized it. Um, I, I heard like <laughs> iPad. <laughs> yeah, I heard they. Um, they rolled up on him and shit, made him get in the car with him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> on, on some other shit, bro, like on some kidnapping shit. They, they backed the security up, made him get in the car with him and shit. They just like took everything off him type shit, you know what I mean? Um, then then we hear uh, uh, Sean just sent us a story last night where um, about the, about them digging in the, the turkey probe and how um, in 2018 uh, this this turkey campaign that... that um, has been giving him money in between 2018 and 2021. But in 2018, he was uh, still the Brooklyn Barrel president. And um, uh, they got a picture of him, like, being outside of this groundbreaking uh, story building for these for this Turkish uh, company that um, they built some, some, groundbreaking, some groundbreaking building for them um, in Manhattan. And the people got to look at that, like, why was he in Manhattan with these cats? But um, obviously, he met somebody there. And they've been in contact from 2018 to 2021. He's been getting money, and um, to his campaign from these people, and uh, over over amounts of what he's supposed to um, get to the point where he had to give you know what I mean money back. I think one time he had to give like a thousand dollars back, and then another time he had to give like eight thousand dollars back. Mm-hmm. And um, the FBI is digging into this company to figure out like you know what I mean if they even had you know what I mean. Um, they even had the consent, like you know, what I mean, be giving this money to him, and uh, I guess they dig it in more. But um, so far, like I said, everybody that's that's uh, been wrapped up into this this shit has has you know, what I mean, is going down. Like has got charges. Everybody they have brought and put in that spotlight, nobody has you know, what I mean, uh, beat the charges yet. And so far, like I said, I think it's uh, it's up to like seven people. You know, what I mean, um, Brianna Suns being the eighth person, and uh, she's gonna go down with the ship too, and um. There's some dirty shit going on with, with you know what I mean? Because they said, uh, like, Sean told us again, sent us uh, some other shit where, um, I don't know if everybody else knew, but this was, like, new to me, that, uh, you know what I mean, they, they they sent NYPD officers to do a wellness check, you know what I mean, to Breonna Suds before, a couple of hours before the FBI came. And knowing that, Knowing that, knowing that, the, you know what I mean, the mayor quickly turned around and came back to the city, talking about he ain't had nothing to worry about, but he left, he left meeting with the president to get money for the crisis, you know what I mean, um, left this meeting where we need this money for the, you know what I mean, and he was the only mayor that didn't show up, had to spin around, you know what I mean, because the FBI is running down on his campaign manager, you know what I mean, and he says he has nothing to worry about, he's going to cooperate, but this is, this is like, it's, it's obviously some, some, some shit going on, you know what I mean, and, and shit. yeah, yeah. Um, for, like I said, for the for NYPD to go to to her house before the FBI came, somebody is uh, 
you know what I mean, leaking information. And he, I, I, I guarantee he probably knew, you know what I mean? They probably hit him first before they sent, you know what I mean, the cops over there first, you know what I mean? So there's definitely some 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 nasty shit going on. I believe he's going to go down, too. It's only a matter of time, you know what I mean? Um, and shit, I, I'm, I'm here for it. <laughs> Fire. Yeah, I'm here for it. But, uh, yeah, we be Jake Eric Adams. But, um, yeah, yeah, yeah uh, who next? Oh, I just wanted to add on to that, uh, like, the, um, the the article that had came out, apparently, because some folks, because people started sharing this on social media, right? And someone was like, um, basically saying, like, what's the, what's the chances he's going to blame it on him being a black man as why mm-hmm. he's getting... The search, the search and seizure, and like the the um the New York Times article that came out about this, they had a quote from him from 2021. Um, I'll just read read portion of this. Um, so in response to a Times examination of his fundraising record in 2021, Mr. Adams attributed the scrutiny in part to his race. Quote: Black candidates for office are often held to a higher unfair standard, especially those from lower income backgrounds, such as myself. He said in a statement then. No campaign of mine has ever been charged with a serious fundraising violation, um, blah, blah, blah. I, I did not go from being a person that enforced the law to become one that breaks the law. Yo, that's all they do. There's lots to unpack there. Lots to unpack his whole campaign is a bunch of lawbreakers. He got a murderer on that staff. He got an abuser on that staff. His, the commissioner stole money. Yo, it's 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 crazy, bro. They they all need to go down on the Rico. Dog, hit him with the. I feel, <laughs> I feel right. I feel he is probably getting a squeeze, and I will tell you why. Because yo, when you start going against the president and the vice president pull up to this city and give you that nasty ass stare shit on live TV, all that shit, that's the squeeze, bro. He out here talking shit about the governor, about the, about the president. They say, you know what? Dig into that nigga, yo. He said the FBI, FBI, the president people, right? He like, yo, go get, go, go, go look at that nigga real quick, bro. He out here talking crazy, right? <laughs> and, and the nigga ain't show up to the meeting too. He like, yo, get that nigga up out of here. They yo, it's only a matter of time. Hell yeah. And that's, that's, that's what I was saying. Like, um, they, 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 bro, he, 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 he probably be talking some like some black shit. Now, now, now we probably gonna see the real Eric Adams come out when they start digging it. We gonna see the niggas, <laughs> the side <laughs> niggas they never seen before. Like, oh, these white people crazy. We gonna see that nigga wild out, bro. You know, on his way to jail though. You know what I mean? Gonna, <laughs> <laughs> on his way to jail, bro. This shit about to be crazy, man. And I'm, look, I'm here for it, bro. I, I'm telling you, I'm glad I'm in New York because like, if it go to court, I'm gonna be there, bro. <laughs> like, I, I will be you. there if I dig it. You know what? Outside every day. Outside every day with the news cameras and everything. Like, ah, I knew it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I feel you if you know, let's see how it all plays out, but for who who's been whistleblowing on Eric Adams for the longest and stayed consistent, right? Like, yeah. It's, it's, just, it's gonna be a big I told you so. Yeah. Oh man. Mm-hmm. I was I was there when they put that nigga in the car and took his shit off him. Mm-hmm. That shit had to be crazy, bro. <laughs> Yo, that had to be crazy. Yo, cause they said when them niggas rolled up, bro. You know how the FBI roll up. Hey, yo, get it. Come here real quick. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, they come here and get in the sure. car real quick. Whisk him Yo, yeah. Sure he was yo, 
that got to be crazy when 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 you're like like that kind of position and you think you got the cops all in the city and then there's another higher fucking the police force that come. I know he ain't the FBI. I know he ain't the hang. He don't <laughs> that law enforcement. <laughs> That's what law enforcement here go back up out this bitch. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> go ahead, man. Who who next? So, the next oh, what what's the next update? Side him with a side him with some. Mine's not as funny as yours. Oh no 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 yeah oh yeah yeah that shit's funny. Eric Adams is funny, but no yeah go ahead. No we be serious. Go talk. Okay. All jokes aside, on a more serious note, um, this week I had a sad privilege of going to my first funeral. Um, this week, Kamari Hughes, he was laid to rest. Like I said, it was my first funeral. It was at, um, the Brown, um, Memorial Baptist Church, I believe, in Brooklyn. Um. A couple blocks from the accident. Yeah, a couple blocks away from the accident, you know. It was be- very beautiful. Like, the, um, amount of people, like, ratio from family to community members was really nice. There's a lot of community who, like, Maybe I've had like small interactions with him or like very faint, but still remembered him very well. Like they had a slideshow and they were um, showcasing videos of his life. He's a seven year old boy. If y'all don't remember, I talked about him a little bit last week, but Kamar Hughes is a seven year old boy. Beautiful, bright kid. Um, he was a self taught gymnast, um, skateboarder. He loved um, just making people feel good. And he was so cute, but unfortunately, he was struck and killed by an NYPD officer with a tow truck. The NYPD officer by the name of Stephanie Sharp, some old NYPD officer in her 50s, like, just bitter, you know, wasn't paying attention. Um, And she only got charged with fail to yield to pedestrian, like, minor driving crimes, no murder, but... I digress. The funeral was beautiful. It was a, it was like a recognition. You know, it was like this, this happened, but it kind of felt like we were honoring our martyrs, you know, like this, this shouldn't have happened, but it happened. So we're going to remember him. Spread some light on his name. I know the city councilwoman came out, the city councilwoman of the district, who actually I've been trying to get in touch with. Uh, on the sidelines, last week, we threw an action for Kamari to hold space at the vigil, talk to the community members, just, like, show them some solidarity that the community's here, add some more candles to the vigil, and um, just make some noise, make his name known, make his killer's name known, make the petition known, that because uh, the community has created a petition. I'll probably drop that right here or something so you can sign it just to hold the police officers accountable, get a stop sign there, just more community safety. But, um, and also to change the name. I really, I really want, and the community really wants that specific corner's name to be changed to Kamari's way. And like I said, I've been reaching out to the city councilwoman privately just to talk to her about that. But when I went to the funeral, I was just like going to, like I said, show solidarity for the family. And, um, let them know that the community's here and working on some form of justice for Kamari, whatever they see is fit. And like I said, a lot of them wanted that name change as well. So I just wanted to ask the family, like if they was, if that was good. And, you know, 
But I'm happy the city councilwoman was there. I met her. I was like, yo, nice to meet you. Can we get this name change? You know what I'm saying? And she was like, you know what? I'm sorry I didn't see a message sooner, but I'm all for it. So I was like, oh, hell yeah. Fine. You know, so so that's some good news. And like I said, I met the family and they were very sweet. But I just thought he wouldn't do too much. It's a traumatic, you know. This is it my first funeral. I cried the whole time. <laughs> so they're like, ah. and some lady next to me was like, ah. like, I'm like, you know, it, it was an open casket. Like, it was very like, but he looked good. He looked good. And we gonna get him his justice, for real. Um, yeah, I, I was uh, supposed to go too, but I, I um, we had mutual aid. It was uh, during our mutual aid hours. But, um, yeah, uh, I think it was, um, you told me Letitia James was there. Oh, yeah. Ooh, I almost forgot. Yo, they said, they said Letitia James was there. Was there. They said Eric Adams was there. First of all, I'm like, I was like, oh. like, when that happened, you know, I tried to contain myself. But I'm like, what the fuck? There's police there, community affairs. Like, I'm like, and I'm I'm sitting there like, ew, like I I couldn't help myself. I'm like, ew, you know. That's like, nasty. Like I'm pissed because this was ha this happened because of an NYPD officer and right. the people who can hold him accountable. At least at least the you know, city councilwoman is doing trying to do something like and like trying to speak with the family. But Letitia James, mind you, I'm calling city you out, Letitia James. She's sitting there scrolling on her phone. I'm not. I, I haven't been to church in so long, but you lucky I'm not going to record in the church building, yo. But, yo, she was sitting there on her phone, like, left. Like, she didn't even stay for the um, repast. I'm like, girl, what, you came here to get your photos, say hello and leave? Like, what are you, what are you doing to hold these officers accountable? She's like, God will forgive us. But I'm like, religion aside, what's going to happen to this murderer? Like, is she still going to be in the streets? Can she still do this again to somebody else's child? What's going to happen? Yeah, they... She she came in there, I guess, like to like show face what the thing was. Um, and I even see her again. It was it was for for them to bring her in there, and uh, yeah, for Eric Adams to, to not even show up, but for them to bring Letitia James in there for her to speak to that, you know, what I mean, to the church and and tell people this is not the time to, you know, what I mean, like I guess be angry at the cops or some shit. It's it's, it's um. Instead of her coming in there and assuring the people that she's prosecuting the cop, you know what I mean? That's that's the uh, that that's what I said. That the craziest part is she got elected during um, you know the, after twenty twenty, and her her campaign to get elected was that she was going to hold cops accountable, and here it is. She's going to a funeral where they, you know what I mean, a, a cop was being negligent and ran over somebody and she's not even assuring the people that she's don't even you know what I mean she's in there to quiet them down until like you know what I mean to act like she's like, on their side but if she's on their side she would get that get him some kind of justice bro and I even talking about some recognition like talking about him more or like maybe a plan she don't know him his she name, don't care to know him but like, that's that's she all, all she need to do is really like just do her job that's what that's what people elected her for that's what we're here for, holding her accountable. Yeah. Let's make some moves, Letitia. Make some moves. 
Alright, who's next? Who got some? I could, I could go on to the Rashida Tlaib um, updates. Um, and then I don't know if we want to do the general Palestine updates, but there is some stuff. That All right, hold on real quick before y'all get into that. Let me just get this little shit out the way, and then y'all can go boom, 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 then we go to the interview. Every, um, the Montgomery vote brawl shit, real quick, because it's only like two <laughs> minutes, real quick. <laughs> yeah, as everybody, everybody remember the vote brawl, um, you know, the, the um, the, uh, God, those cap in the air, and, uh, you know what I mean? He was getting jumped by the white people. He threw the cap in the air and everybody came. Legendary. Oh, Many memes. There yeah, were chairs everywhere. Memes, bro, bro, that was a history moment. To me, that was a history moment. Like, I loved every day. Essence posted. Yo, the chairs. Yeah. across the yeah. water. I, and, and I liked, I liked how everybody, um, that was the first time I, I see, like, black people come together and quickly, like, donate money to like you know what I mean like like you know what I mean to to something like for them to raise money um even though they wasn't trying to raise money I'm just saying like for black people to get behind them and celebrate because they do white people do that to us all the time like um you know I mean the Travion Martin where where you know what I mean they somebody bought the pistol or 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 even Daniel Penny Daniel Penny how much how much money Daniel Penny got he got like over two million dollars two million dollars he got over two million dollars and it's like, that's what, you know what I mean? It probably beat the case. It's nowhere near that money he needs for his lawyer defense. You know what I mean? Nowhere near that much money. But, you know, he's like he's got rewarded for killing the black man, bro. That's how that shit works. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I was just happy to see, like, them black people get rewarded for whooping some ass. Mm -hmm. So that was that was fire to me. But, um, that, like, when shit dies down, when shit dies down, we got to celebrate, boom, boom, boom. When shit dies down months later. They start going back and locking cats up, and the dude is it, sad because uh, the shit that initially the the, the the initial man that it started off the dude that was getting jumped, the one that was doing his job and 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 you know what I mean he started getting attacked and he was just defending himself you know what I mean uh, got charged he's getting charged now uh, I, I think it's like third degree assault charges or some shit like that but what? it's um. You know, we might start, this is what we might start seeing now. And then you might later, just based on it being down south and shit like that. That's why I say, like, when shit died down, it should, should be, boom, boom, you got to go back and, and, and look at cases afterwards. You know what I mean? Go back and look at all, all like, I think people were like, like, just even talking about Daniel Penny, people got to, like, keep your eyes on that shit. There's so much shit going on right now. He might slide underneath the shit. We don't even, you know what I mean? Not even think about that shit. So it's like you just gotta keep your eyes open to shit. Like, like I said, his his case is about to start up, but you know what I mean. It's 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 a lot of shit going on. It's a lot of important shit going on. But this is what I'm saying. This is where shit happens. Where you know what I mean. Boom, the bullshit start happening when niggas get slid out. Like that's a big case, and and what shit is going on right now. We might not even hear. You know what I mean. Like it's it's about to start going to court. So within the, in the next couple of months, he might get found guilty, not guilty, whatever the fuck it is. But all the news and shit going on, we might not hear about it. And 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 just because they don't want no like no protests, no shit like that, they might not even say that about it. You know what I mean? So like on the on the TV and everything, I, and I believe the media works with the news of what they put out and 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 um what they can show and shit like that. I believe they talk to them about you know what I mean? Um, because I just see like like all the shit that that I do or how um. 
No, just being out here the last three years and seeing how media do everybody. Of actually being there and seeing the news cameras and then actually watch them go on TV and spin stories. You know what I mean? Um, I forgot one of the like one of the first marches when I was on the sidewalk. The um, we came around the corner like they do the route. They ended up knowing the route by the, the, the how far we got up the. You know what I mean? How far the march went to the point that we came around the corner to like the main strip of where we about to go at. It was like uh, the bushes and shit. Like somebody pulled the bushes and shit out, and that shit was like debris all over the streets and shit all over. There. And it was there before we got there, but on the news. They said that we did that shit. You know what I mean? That we threw that shit. They locked up one person. You know what I mean? And that was that was the spin. They they locked some they locked up somebody right before we ended the march and then tried to put that all into it. Oh, they was throwing debris and this and that. And then they showed a nigga on TV getting locked up. And I'm like, yo, this is wicked. So I mean, like, the, I believe, yeah, they me. work with these people, bro. They work with these people. So it, it, it they pick and choose what to get out there. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. But pretty much they pick and choose what to get out there. And you see how like the, the media is never on our side when they come when they pull up. You got some of them that that that, that do stories for us, but then you got like I got the Fox News woman, like she rolled up on me all snaky and nasty, like just trying putting the microphone in my face and shit. It's just <laughs> all sneaky, nasty, putting the microphone <laughs> in my face. Bitch. <laughs> What's your name? Spell it out. <laughs> like geez. Like she's, she's, uh, how are you? <laughs> the one that the, the shit on Fox News, he oh. So you're defending Hamas? <laughs> yeah, he's just so nasty, bro. But um, don't you try to paint me out in that light? Yeah, didn't even like it. That's what I said. But yeah, they, oh yeah, yeah, that's it, man. This, this the fact. This, this uh, like I said, uh, keep, I keep stay Do your own research, man. Make sure y'all don't uh let some of this shit that that we see go. Uh, like I said, like it's crazy how like we were, they were rewarded and um, even the news, like the way they showed it and shit, it was like almost just for black people. But now they're going back and locking these black people up. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, stay focused. I remember, I remember um, when the shit first happened. I remember the, the only person we heard getting locked up was uh, the guy that was smacking people with the chair. You know what I mean? But now, I, now I believe they're going back and hitting everybody. So yeah, but well, I think on that it's like I think it was like funny for people. And so it like became like a good meme and mm -hmm. it becomes like, will people actually tune in to like protect the people who were doing that stuff? You know, like, will it, will it trend, will the memes and like the internet culture and the jokes and stuff translate to, um, actually protecting the people who was involved in that? Cause it's all Negro Avengers until the Negro Avengers got locked up, you know, yeah. to free them, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Um, so I, I hope so. I hope to your point, people like, that should be the um that should happen in Avengers though. Civil campaign. War. Avengers Civil War, niggas got locked up. Road Avengers got locked up. Yeah, that's Civil that War moment. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Come outside, people for real. Come outside, whole space. Like what he said, educate more, yourself. Um, do your own research. We'll get into the Palestine. Um Oh. So translate into Rudy's yeah. story. Rudy, do you want to tell your story for you? You, should it go, should it, boom, boom, boom? I'm going to apply that. I'll okay. get it to leave. Oh, you, you, you want to leave? You want more pieces? <laughs> well, yeah, I'll do, I'll do to leave. I'll do to leave. And then you could jump in if, I, yeah. if that works. <laughs> all right, bet. Um, all right, cool. So last week, uh, 234 members of Congress voted to uh, censor... Um, uh, Rashida Tlaib, 
um, preventing her from speaking on in support of Palestinians. Um, and the root of the issue kind of comes down to her use of the phrase, um, from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free, hmm. which, um, well, real yeah. quick, can you, can you, yeah. With, and, and do you know any background of her? Can you, can you like, uh, cause I don't know who she, who she is. She, uh, she's the, um, She's from Michigan. I think she represents Michigan. Uh, she's the only Palestinian member of Congress, mm-hmm. um, and I think she's I think she's from Detroit, I believe. Um, but that's that's kind of as much as I personally know about her. Yeah. Um, and she's been outspoken uh, in support of Palestine. And so, yeah, it's it's very like uh, it is wild to see so many people, including twenty two Democrats. Um, motion to censor the only the only Palestinian member of Congress speaking yeah, out in support of 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 a free Palestine. Mm. Um, and this is the this is actually the second time. Uh, this is the second version of the the motion that was passed. Um, the first version actually included, I believe, something from Marjorie Taylor Greene, um, uh, language that called the the pro-palestine protests in um in dc she wanted to call that an insurrection she wants to call everyone who participated in that insurrectionists and so that was struck 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 him down (laughs) first of all yo that um what about the yo miles trying to tell me miles trying to tell me look insurrectionists miles trying to tell me that they were actually showing pictures of um the insurrection along with the pictures of, of people just standing like you know what I mean holding up to the gates or putting their flags mm-hmm. through the gates and shit and they trying was to say it was the insurrection. January sixth. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. The protest in DC. Well, November Yeah. I don't remember the date. <laughs> but it's like bro yeah. this is completely two different things. One person stormed the federal building one person is representing freedom and waving a flag. Not 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 only stormed the building, but killed cops, bro. They killed mad cops. Yeah, people died. Nobody died. Nobody, nobody died. Nobody, not, not nobody, nobody got hurt. Nobody got arrested. No nothing, bro. So property wasn't was damaged. We didn't. We no didn't. No one ended up in like, in like any type of unauthorized area. Um, representatives of Congress weren't hiding under their desks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Saturday. Bro, we just watched security run up, run up the stairs. Bro, you remember that shit? Remember that? Yeah. Backing up, <laughs> scared up for their the life. Stairs, them people were chasing that nigga through the, through the, what was that? The Capitol? Chasing yeah. that nigga all yeah. through that building. Yeah. <laughs> it was not yeah. the same thing. That, that it's, it's hilarious. Like they tried it, you know, they tried it. Um, we're in this unfortunate uh, culture war, which kind of that even kind of speaks to even the idea of like free Palestine where people are trying to get mindshare around the idea that a call for a free Palestine or from the river to the sea is a call for genocide of um, the Israeli people and is thus an anti-Semitic statement. Um, And so, yeah, I just want to kind of bring that up and talk about some of the also like second order implications of a lot of this stuff. We're going to talk about like the the um, general Palestine updates. But I think when some things like these happen, like 
you can maybe dismiss this as like maybe not so important, but I want to kind of underscore that like it sets a precedent and 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 um and then uh Rashida Talib's uh um she was able to get up and and make a speech um in kind of responding to the the action um and she pointed out that it sets a dangerous precedent and some of the that mm-hmm. dangerous precedent is that um you know even in the CNN article they cite this group called the um the anti defamation league um which does a lot of things but they generally like protect uh they're a Jewish organization um, that uh, kind of like for monitors like hate groups and and among other things and um, and kinds of like documents hate speech. And although controversial, they are. I don't know. I think I think people have their 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 feelings on on the ADL, but the Anti-Defamation League describes the chant from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free as an, a quote unquote anti-Semitic slogan and quote rallying cry that has long been used by anti-Israel Israel voices, um, including supporters of terrorist organizations such as Hamas, end quote. Um, and Tlaib has defended the phrase um, saying, quote, from the river to the sea is an aspirational call for freedom, human rights, and peaceful coexistence, not death, destruction, or hate. Um, my work and advocacy is always centered in justice and dignity for all people, no matter faith or ethnicity end quote. Um, and so you have one side, the side who came up with the slogan, um, the Palestinian people um, who made this chant, saying that it is a call for freedom, um, not for death and destruction. And then you have these these various other groups trying to make it a call for genocide so that people, as a way to not just censor her directly in Congress where they can vote on it, but also censor people broadly on social media and at these protests and to further try to like slander anyone who, um, and shame people who, um, defend, defend a free Palestine. Um, we have the, I think we're, we're having a guest on this week now who makes a joke in, um, in one of his standup specials where he's with a friend who has like a free Palestine button on and some girls walk into the bar who are former IDF soldiers. And he's like, and, and for all the people who didn't, grown at that at that um the mention of that the idf are the the niggas who are not free in palestine <laughs> and it's like um yeah and it's you there's there's thousands of palestinian prisoners held in israel um when so you have to look at it as like how can someone directly say free palestine it, it's a, it's it, it's it's very literally give these people freedom to move around in the land that they're indigenous to um they're like israel's an apartheid state you know people have like different color license plates they have to like check in um yeah so it's very obvious that a statement for uh freedom for palestine is literally just freedom and not destruction and the other part of the precedent um so people are familiar already mentioned it every episode that i work on a project called black sky um, the developers of that broader ecosystem, Blue Sky, they have this feature that they're developing where, uh, and it's a generally good feature, right? Um, but one where I, as a developer, could like flag hate speech. Like I mm-hmm. can build something so that, that you, when you log into the app, you, you subscribe to it and you basically trust my judgment or my code that will hide content from what you see. Um, so that like uh so that you won't see 
stuff that's hateful to you. Now, when I first spoke to those developers, and it's all public, it's on Blue Sky, but when I spoke to them, they responded to me and they were like, that feature is coming soon. And they were, they were basically trying to describe it. And they, they used the ADL as an organization who could build something like that. Um, so I took, I t when this came out, I'd like brought that thread back up and, um, and was like, isn't it crazy how I could post from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free. And if the ADL is one of these organizations that y'all say y'all trust, Blue Sky, um, they could flag me as a as a hate group as a member of a hate group mm. just be, because a group like the adl has a lot of power and influence you add in technology to it now this censorship that you see of rashida Tlaib can now start to go into your social media spaces um and so again that whole the whole concept of a dangerous precedent like that's what that kind of means it's like it'll happen in one place and then you'll see that trickle down into all these other avenues yeah. So we can't we can't let people do that. Yo, if yeah. I post free Palestine and the FBI come knocking at my door, it's gonna be a problem. No, but they, they, <laughs> what? They're trying to um when Leave when, me alone. when we just march when we just march at Stonewall on Thursday, they're trying to uh Sensible say that yeah, and say that say that some of those chants are like terroristic chants. And they they right. use that. They told Dom yeah, that, um, like, that's what they that's what they're going to use to bring SRG out. Now. He said he said we have to call um the the bike dudes out whenever you say something specific. They look out for certain things. I'm like, "Huh?" He's like, "Yeah, you can't say anything terroristic or, you know, right. I'm like, "Huh?" He was like, "You know, cuz y'all be I'm like, "We be what? We be what? Telling the truth?" <laughs> yeah. I never, you know. Tell him what chance that that he said that we, we that um they like said you can't. You wasn't. I can't say fuck the mayor. I can't say fuck the police. Interesting. I can't say anything about terrorism, but I'm like, what? So, like, so any any anti police and pro Palestine chants, right? <laughs> like, but I'm like, that's all pro Palestinian chants right there. Yeah, like, but now, but now that they, they, I think they're trying to say it's on, it's on some. They they don't want us tying tying the Palestinian chants with the with, with our chants because then yeah you know what I mean um they don't want us uh like I said uh, joining together or joining those trying to unite those fights they trying to keep it like just all like uh I guess uh want us to keep it on Palestine but I'm saying they're trying to label these Palestinian chants that you know what I mean like that like terrorist chants mm -hmm. trying to criminalize mean? us like condemn us from that's that's also right. like labeling them people as terrorists that's what i, I said that, right. that's how has people um how people was it was it was it now that was telling us was it was it now was telling us about somebody getting the you know me getting attacked by by the oh maybe it was somebody else oh when the oh yeah the, the um when someone drove you know, unless you're talking about the like then he drove into the like the israelite school that when you're talking yeah, about. yeah, 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 yeah. But um, uh, I think he talked about it on his. Uh, I because I think he talked about it. So yeah, we we let him say it. But um, it's uh, it, even even my experience, like I said, on the, on the, on the train when I had to um copy it on, and uh, the dude gave me all the hand signals and shit. When people see this shit on TV, you and, and you. They're, they're labeling these people as terrorists. It's not even like Hamas no more. They're, they're, they're trying to label this whole group. So, like, when 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 Israel and whatever, like, 
far as them getting wiped out, people are not caring. But it's hard to when you see just like all you seeing is babies. Like I said, you're not seeing a war of, of of casualties on both sides. You just see casualties on one side, and and that's the shit that that burns me up. When uh, and that was just last week, my March was it last week? Yeah, last week when um you know the news the the woman come over there, the woman from Fox, and she asked me the first thing out of her mouth is uh. It's a month later from uh, the, the Hamas attack on Israel. That's that's all she she didn't say anything about like what's going on. Like it was just like like that shit just don't exist. Like we're not eleven thousand people in. You know what I mean? They're just trying to erase these people without it being like uh so it won't be bad on our conscience when it happens, you know what I mean? Um a definition of ethnic cleansing. Yeah, that's what I was saying, like like when I was a kid of, of watching uh uh, the desert storm and shit, and then like like um, being and being in school when um, or, or uh, when you know what I mean the whole uh, graduating after um, graduating I had just graduated when when nine eleven happened that the, um, the, you know what I mean that summer and then nine eleven happened that September so um, like seeing that and then watching that whole war and then my brother being in that war and then just like like looking at those like. You got people over there. You like, oh, I hope you come back safe. I hope you like this shit is heavy up and get over with. I hope like you know what I mean. And then uh, your people over there dying, and then you not even realizing that boom, bro, we shouldn't even be over there. Like, what, what are you doing over there? Like, you know what I mean? It's it's it's. We thought we man, we wasn't thinking about those people until you know what I mean. The the, the towers happened, and was that Osama bin Laden? But we went after Saddam Hussein. Mm -hmm. And we just blame him for having weapons and some other shit. And then we went from that to like try to uh, show how uh, wicked he is and 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 have that for a reason. It's like, oh, we freeing these people, you know what I mean? But when do we free Palestine? Like, what the fuck are we watching right now? Right? Are we not watching this shit on live TV? You know what I mean? We didn't. We never seen Saddam Hussein. All that shit they said Saddam Hussein was doing, and I'm pretty sure he, he probably was doing it, but. Either way, guess what? When them people over there love that man, you know what I mean? I don't, I don't, I don't know what's what. You feel what I'm saying? All I know is that the, um, I said like we get painted a whole different picture over here to fit whatever America wants to do. Mm -hmm. You feel what I'm saying? And when we see that picture, we just all for it, and we ah, just ah. But they're wicked, bro. And as we see that now, like in the movement that we're in, or how we seeing how they're doing this Palestinian people, seeing them people dying over there and seeing that boom, are we sending money over there? And we're gonna back these people up if anybody else jump in it. Like just seeing that shit is 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 uh we just gotta know that this shit over here is wicked. And 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 understand that's why everybody else fucking hates us. It's not us, it's the government. Yeah, we gotta right, yeah. override that bitch. Yeah. And again, on the like the, the use of the word terrorist, we talked about this in another episode, but it is just a political designation that is really just like a death sentence whenever the American government wants to have an excuse to kill people. Uh, and further evidence, because last week's uh, GOP debate, um, Ron DeSantis, Ron DeSantis on his like they were asking him about the opioid crisis. And he said that he was going to label cartels as terrorist organizations, send soldiers to the border. And in his words, if anyone tries to bring fentanyl into this country, that'll be the last thing they ever do because we're going to shoot them stone cold dead. And like that is that is the rhetoric. <laughs> you know, it's like the, it's it's what you can call a group 
that you disagree with and then use militarized force against them. And, and, and now that's where you start to see is like, because now as like a Joe Biden, as genocide Joe tries to step mm-hmm. back away from, from that title, he has to be like, well, Hamas and, and the civilians are different. And, um, and it's just like, just end the occupation, you know? Like, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm watching the shit. Um, we used to watch the shit yesterday. Uh, bro, 93, when they signed the peace treaty and shit. You know what I mean? And watching that, and it's just like, God damn, son. Like, that's, that's, that's wicked. Somebody was telling, like, like, it's another video. Like, if you watch it, you can see Bill Clinton looking at him like, like, man, this is probably like the last thing you're going to do. You know what I mean? Like, they knew they was going to kill that man and get him out the way so they can go right back into, like, you know what I mean? And right now, I don't think, I, like I said, it, it's, it's sad when you, when you got certain, uh, I think we all got this one journalist over there that we all are following, but you know what I mean? Like I hate, man, I I just got my, my fingers crossed because I think it's going to be a sad day if we wake up and not see her videos giving us an update. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Because every day she wakes up, every day we wake up, I look at her, the Instagram, you know, and she's, I'm alive. And just like to even think that you got to live like that. And then I seen one video where she was like, I'm alive, but like she was just talking about I'd rather be dead than me living like going through this shit that was going on, bro. You're talking about Bisson, right? Yeah. 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 And she I don't even know if she's a she's a journalist. She's a filmmaker. A filmmaker. But she's just right? in it. Yeah. I know a journalist, like I think his name is like on Instagram, like Joe Gaza or something like that. But he's on the grounds as well. And he I saw something like other day he was like yeah I'm, I'm still here too but i'm just a little drained like it's, it's just hard you know to keep posting and update about stuff like this i'm like this is heavy fucking shit that they're dealing with yeah people and you would never see it if you didn't if you didn't like use social media because they're not covering that they're on not the putting news, this news. Covering it all, bro. not covering it at all and then you go to like these protests, you hear these counter protesters. They're like, look at this article. Look at that. I'm like, bro, but have you watched the stories of these people? Are you listening to what they're saying? Like, firsthand, secondhand. Like, this is from firsthand people. Yeah, it's sad. They're going through this shit right now. Like, I'll be talking. I just like, you know what I mean? What should you do more, bro? This shit is wicked. Man. Like, we were recording and then they like bomb to school. I was like watching. That. I was just watching. Um, bombed a hospital. I, I wasn't watching nothing. I don't, I don't know if it was in uh, over there or not, but I was just watching like the effects of these bombs of uh of when it um like they had like cameras set up in these towns and shit that they were blowing up. And I don't know if the people in these towns or not, but the the, 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 the houses and everything look beautiful. And it's real, like it's a real, real. Yeah, there's people in there, bro. Because the dude, the dude holding the camera, he's like the, the the room, the whole room shake, and he's like miles away from it. But you can see, like, when boom, when it hit, and the shock wave, how it's just shooting out. The, you know what I mean? Knocking out all the glass and everything. You know, everything, cars and shit flying. I'm like, God damn, bro. Like that's um. Yeah, we live. We just live in some wicked times, bro. Like it's like this, a tale of two cities, bro. Some people are sitting here going to fucking dinner. I today. gotta imagine I eat people that make them shits. They're like, "Yep, just made a missile today." What did you eat for lunch? The fuck? And then people are sitting here fighting for their lives in their land. 
Niggas ain't got no conscience, man. Um, um, a little bit more updates in Palestine, but reaching out to the world. I have a question for y'all. It is this is strictly opinions. We are not war specialists for FBI who's listening. But um, yeah, do y'all feel like World War Three is coming? Do you feel like, <laughs> do you feel like World War Three is coming? How how shit is popping off right now with everything going on in the world, all these world leaders and stuff. Uh, I I believe is a big possibility. Um, uh, if if somebody, I believe if if somebody and they need to, bro. I, I'm not saying we need to have what what we do, but um, I believe if somebody like really, if people start stepping up and and coming to the aid of the Palestinian people, I think that we are going to back them. We already sending them weapons and shit. And I believe that they get under attack. They're going to call for our aid. We already aiding them. I believe we'll jump into it. And I believe um, one of them other countries, like Russia or China, is going to be like, y'all better get y'all fucking asses up out of there and turn up. And I believe it'll go from there. Like, boom, other niggas will join in. Like, don't we'll start calling on our allies. And shit will get funky, man. And, uh, um... Man, I don't know, man. They, I mean, if you like, like, if you like, far like oh, that biblical shit and all that, 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 that shit, like end of the world shit, always said that shit would happen when Jerusalem and all that shit becomes a place, whatever all that bullshit. But, and that's what World War Three is supposed to happen and all that. And we, I mean, it, it seemed like it's like niggas is running to it, like, like they following what the books say. So, I mean, I don't know, man. But that. I mean, I, I mean. Like I said, like if if something uh, is either those people are getting gonna get pushed out of there, or they're gonna let them people get killed all the way out, and let the genocide happen, or somebody's gonna step in, and I believe, and that's why we're wicked, and I believe we're, we're and I believe it's already we already fighting Iran or something like that, and they have also like you know what I mean, but I believe if if somebody with some higher power jump in to say, would you say China already erased? I'm Israel not saying China, 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 speaking of China, like that, they completely you took Israel off the map. It's just like a little blank spot now on that digital map says mm. no Israel there. They took their stance. It was like, oh, you want to wipe out people in mass pop, yeah. like mass quantity? The population? Yeah. Go on. I, but, I don't know about so, I don't know. Uh, speaking of Iran, like you asked us a question. I was commenting on what you said. Oh, okay. I would leave what you said out. But, all right, go ahead. Thank God. But um, yeah, the basic damn, really, my baby, my yeah. fucking train of thought. But the U.S. has bases in Iran and Syria and stuff, and they were putting some like of their bullshit, you know, surveillance technology, trying to be nosy, watch what's going on, and. Iran shot that shit down. Iran said, yo, you are not exempt of this shit too. Like, and it just goes to show, like, if America wants to pick sides, especially with the oppressor, bro, hold yourself accountable. Like, Genocide Joe, you're not, you're not the example of America. You're not, you don't represent Americans. Do not put your foot somewhere where you have no business being. And these other countries, I think there's a couple other countries too. Like who denounced it? 
Yeah. I, I don't know about World War Three for this particular situation. Um, y'all, I mentioned all the things that like I, I see being problematic eventually. I think with the Middle East, I think when people say it becomes like a wider conflict, I personally feel like it would. I don't think it would go beyond the Middle East, though, personally. I mean, that's also just like a hope, I guess, right? Like trying to be optimistic that it wouldn't be World War III. Um, but I do think that it could, I think it can go, unfortunately, worse for Israel than it has, than it's going right now. Like right now, it's just public opinion that's siring for Israel in the U.S. I think all these, like all these other militant groups, uh, and, uh, uh, Hezbollah, um, like, um, I forgot the other one's name, but the folks in, in Syria, Lebanon, um, Iran, I think, I do think they, I think those threats have teeth to them. And, um, I, yeah, I think it, I think it could end up going a lot worse. I don't think it becomes, I don't think it spirals out until world war because Ukraine and Russia didn't spiral out until world war. It does become a proxy war though. Um, and I don't know how much, as much as China has given rhetoric to support for Palestine, I don't know how much they've actually like had skin in the game and like really like sent money, you know, um, for aid or, or even like backing weapons. But China's also like a superpower. So on the broader, like what else could happen in the future? I do think World War Three eventually and China's setting itself up for that. Um, and the countries you mentioned are the BRIC countries. And like, I, I can even point to like, I've, I'm from, I'm Guyanese. I have um, cousins in, fam, all, most of my family's in Guyana and South America. And even they're aware of um, the BRIC um, countries and how the United States, you get like an international perspective of like the United States is like looking less and less good to countries in the global Southeast third world countries, um, as we like to designate them. Okay. And um, Brazil, the BRIC countries are Brazil, Russia, India, China, and they're looking all the more better um and more appealing and like this whole idea that china is the champion of the global south is becoming more and more a thing and so the it's becoming where china america respects china as a superpower which is why all these like republican candidates and folks want to like ban tiktok because it's one of the biggest chinese companies um and they it, they they, they, they want to claim it's like stealing our information but american com companies do the same thing also, have you heard of the NSA? They literally spied on Americans. Um, and But the difference is the money and revenue is going to a Chinese company. And so it all it always comes back down to money and resources. Um, but yeah, the, and the, the, but yeah, the BRIC country, so we respect China as a superpower and we're concerned. And then if they start getting global standing, if there ever is a world war, that looks a lot more dangerous for the United States. Like, sure, we have a super powerful military china also has that and if there's more countries around the world that are supporting them then it becomes a concern so i'm personally like i'm looking at this like this just seems like such a i think we'll look back on this and, and view this as like one of the worst like foreign policy decisions we ever made um because yeah china china's getting a lot more influential and looking a lot better for people um but at the same time china's not the good guy right they are also like a neo-colonial power they also like there's lots of corruption in Guyana. There's lots of corruption in like a lot of like the Congo. China's in the Congo as well. Um, so you still see the same kind of exploitative kind of neo-colonial nature with them. Um, but I think for people outside, they're like, at least they're, they're there and they're doing something and they're helping financially. 
Um, and so that's not a good position for America to just be turning our backs and only support these like countries who have a proximity to whiteness. That's what I'm talking about. And at least condemn the violence. Like they're trying to all pit the starting of this on October 7th. They're trying to say, oh, Hamas, Hamas, Hamas. But it's like, what about the people? Like there's no concern for the well-being of the people, especially like you said, when it's not like Eurocentric people, but it can't get no financial gains. Like, and like you said, like some South um, American countries, like the leaders of Bolivia and Chile, like at least they condemned the violence. It was like, oh no, we were cutting ties. Anything that has to do with like Israeli genocide. <laughs> genocide by the Israeli people. I was like, oh no. That's, that's a start, but yeah. We need some financial help for the Palestinian people. Yeah, and there was a there was the four hour humanitarian pauses that were announced last week. We should also mention, but you know, ceasefire and occupation is really. Yeah, I, I wish somebody would just go in there and just like occupation. Like 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 how they did with the raggy freedom, just go in there and push them other soldiers up out of that motherfucker, bro. Let them people get their land back. The bread coming. There's freedom people. I don't I don't really want them like bombing. Yeah. them other people I don't want to see no more I, I hate seeing like innocent people like you know what I mean I don't want to see like other people joining the bombing because then then there's other people like we see mad people like protesting there like that don't want this war going on too that's right there in Israel but yeah I don't want to see like you know what I mean um people getting like like if they start bombing over there and we find out that they just blowing that shit up over there there's other innocent people that don't want that shit going on. They'll mm-hmm. probably want peace, too, that we're going to be like, you know what I mean? Uh, I don't want to celebrate no shit like that. I'd rather just, um, I wish some some other, you know, country or even, I know we wouldn't do that shit, but I wish somebody would go in there and just, like, back them niggas up out of there. Like, just let the, you know what I mean? Just back, back them people up, bro. Mm. I don't know. Yeah, and just just to clarify again, these are just opinions, y'all. We just, you know, that life's hard right now. Yeah. You're not specialists. All right. Um, yeah, all right. Let's get into our interview, right? Let's get into We got um, this guy coming in. Um, one, of the, one of the people behind the scenes of the show, Rosie, um, mutual friend, um, introduced man. us. We met. We met three times while he was on tour, him visiting New York. Um, I met him last year when my leg was broke at, at one of his uh, comedy shows. But he has a Netflix. He has a show on Netflix. He's a uh, writer. Um, and he's very, yeah, he's, he's a comedian, a very funny dude. Um, uh, my man, Miles. Uh, Niles. Niles Abstin. Yeah, give it up for Niles Abstin. He's going to... Um, he also... Before um before we started this show, when we was in, in the talk of like he's one of the people that um gave me the pointers and and, and uh, I talked to him he like um for like for like about an hour on the phone and that's before oh that was after I was after I met him the first time after I met him the first time then I talked to him on the phone and, you know what I mean gave me pointers on on doing this because uh you know he had um a couple of podcast shows itself that was uh. But yeah, successful. But um, yeah. So, 
give it up for uh, Niles Abstin. He's a, he's from L.A., comedian from L.A., writer from, uh, like I said, writer, and uh, got a show on from, Netflix. From so, yeah. From yeah. Oh, well, from Mississippi, yeah. living in L.A. Living in L.A., yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and he gonna get into all that. So, uh, yeah, check him out. What's good, y'all? And welcome back. We have our special guest today, a comedian, a writer, an actor, Niles Abstin. Hello. Talk. How y'all doing? Good, man. Thanks You're for having good. me. Doing good. Yeah. I, um, all right, so yeah, so you already know we got a mutual friend, Rosie. And yes. Um, the first time I seen you, I think it was last, I think it was last year. Mm-hmm. My my leg was broke, and um, you were you were uh, you were you were here touring, mm-hmm. um, doing comedy, and um, but you know, uh, I used to do comedy myself. Oh, that's so, so I didn't know that. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right, yeah. I used to do comedy, but I, I um. That's why I always wanted to move to New York, you know, to do comedy and everything like that. And uh, but I came out here like protesting, so yeah. You know what I mean? But the thing is, like, I, I I've tried to get back on that stage, okay. but when I be like, when I be telling my jokes and people laugh, I start explaining why it's problematic, and it starts, <laughs> you know, this shit gets serious. So it's not funny to worry. Like I just be like, yo, it be it be it be different. So yeah. like, um, I guess like tell us. No, matter of fact, give us give us your background first. Yeah. Of like um uh of 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 like um your your upbringing and, and what made you get into comedy. Okay. Um, I didn't want to get into comedy. I still don't know if I want to be in comedy. To be real with you. Um, but yeah, I'm from the I'm from the south, from Mississippi. Uh, grew up out there. Very religious upbringing. Um, play sports. Uh, I went to went to school. Uh, ran track, Division One. And then, uh, what was your event? Um, I did hurdles. Hell yeah. Yeah, that I did makes hurdles. Sense. I did, um, I, I'm short, so I just did the regular sprints, you know. Regular sprints? Yeah. You was fast? Yeah, I did the 100 and the 200. Oh, that nigga, you fast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I still I still have the 100 meter dash record at my school. Oh, go ahead and talk, right. Niles. Yeah, I do. Um, but yeah, I, I was running track in college, got hurt, and then uh, I had to get hip surgery. And so, uh, I, I wasn't like recovering like I should, and so I was doing like PT, physical therapy, like all the time. And uh, in the little room, they would just always have movies on, like on TV. And I would just see them, and I'd be like, I, I think I could do better, yeah, you know. Yeah. Which is a crazy thing to say at 19 years old. It's kind of stupid. No, but, uh, not, you don't know what you want to do. Yeah. I don't see the comedians I like, so I'm gonna be one. Yeah, yeah. honestly, yeah. And uh, and I didn't want to do comedy at first. I was I wanted to write like serious movies, um, and so I was like. Googling how to write movies and stuff, just write a bunch of bad shit. I was can we cuss on here by the way? Yeah, yeah, go good business. Fuck yes. (laughs) (laughs) And so yeah, I was just writing terrible screenplays and then a friend was like, You should move to LA and uh dropped out of college, moved to LA when I was twenty. And uh somebody somebody had read like a little short story that I wrote and they were like, Yo, you should do stand up and I know you could just do stand up. I thought like all my favorite comedians was just up there like talking. Cause yeah. it's funny. That's what I thought it was. I didn't know you like practice and write a set and stuff. And so, uh, yeah, I just started doing it. I was really bad. I was 21. Cause who wants to listen to a 21 year old talk about anything, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just stuck with it and you know, now cool things are happening. So. Yeah. When you, um, when you say you didn't want to be a comedian, it just happened. That's, that's how I was feeling. Like, I don't feel like uh, everybody was like, Oh, you funny. You gotta get on stage. Mm-hmm. But I just felt like I was just 
just like you know what I mean. Like yeah. I didn't I didn't feel like that was my profession to like sit down and write jokes and shit. I feel like I'm just naturally funny. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I mean, I it was just like a dare for me to try, and I was good at it, so yeah. I, I kept going. But you know what I mean? As a, as I see now, like I I got the um the confidence and everything to speak in front of crowds and right. do wild shit. It's funny how like everything in your journey usually adds up to do whatever you're really supposed to do. Yeah, because you know? I I still don't even think like being a comedian is what I'm supposed to do. That's like, I, I feel like there's something else. So yeah. So yeah, but I, I know like the skills I'm building from doing this will come in handy though. Take you somewhere that's, else. Yeah. yeah. That's why, that's what, yeah, that's why I say I think I could, I could get in front of the, the yeah. people like I do. Right. You know I mean, um, but what, um, all right. So uh, oh, I was, I was just gonna say, uh, I was watching one of your stand-ups right before this. Oh shit! Was that, <laughs> was uh, you mentioned that you because you said that exact thing that you didn't, you you still wasn't sure if you wanted to be a comedian. Yeah. But at one point you said you wanted to be a rapper. I know if you was badass. I definitely that. wanted to be a rapper, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Being a rapper is like the coolest shit in the world, dog. Like them dude, like they're all they just rappers get to do something that we all want to do as a kid which is like play dress up and play a character and they like you a grown man and i'm still calling you a nickname (laughs) still calling you lil Lil. that that man ice cube is almost 60 years old we still calling this man ice cube that is o'shea jackson (laughs) that is a grown man i shouldn't be calling you a nickname but i will call you a nickname because you that your music is amazing. You're a top yeah. 10 rapper of all time. I'm going to call you that nickname. Yeah, you know? say I love Q. Uh, I love Q, bro. <laughs> and so it's just like, being a rapper just seems like the coolest shit in the world. I like That's why like I love music, because it's like one of the things, like artistically, like I don't think I could ever make, so it like blows my mind. Like, even bad music. I'm like, how would you even make that? Like, this is crazy to me, you know? Um, yeah, I, I, like, as a kid, I definitely wanted to be like a music artist and stuff. I just didn't have the talent to do it. But I'm always just amazed by people who can make Good and bad music. Oh, man. <laughs> I love TikTok. Yo, TikTok. I'm yeah. Yeah. You a rapper on TikTok every day? I'm a rapper on TikTok. Damn. <laughs> oh, you jumping there? Yeah, because you be doing the like, voiceover joints. Like, the, like, you the can make trailers. a video, like a, the, the meanest rap video on TikTok. Yeah. It'd be other people's music, but shit, I love it. Right. <laughs> how, how do you how do you feel about comedians, like, like comedy rap type shit? Um, like, I'm not the biggest fan of it. Because like, and this this one dude said this like earlier on when I started comedy, he was like, because like you would see, like, because Adam Sandler got famous doing a guitar comedy, so like you see a lot of people doing that, and then now it's like, because I feel like people aren't as musically inclined anymore as far as like instruments go and stuff like that. So you see a lot of people just like, oh, I can just get a beat from my friend and do comedy rap, and like the thing, and my this guy said this, he's like, the thing with comedy music is a lot of times it doesn't even have to be funny; it just has to rhyme. And people would be like, oh, and it's like, that wasn't funny, though. And it's like, he just taking up stage time. Can you get a real comedian on here to tell jokes? And I'm not saying that about everybody that does comedy music. Because, of course, like, I wrote on a show, Dave, with Lil Dicky, who's probably one of the best comedic musicians, like, ever. You know what I'm saying? As far as, like, him, Weird Al, like, that lane. Like, they're, like, they're like the best at it. Yeah. So, like, I see the people who are trying to be that. Yeah. And it's awful. <laughs> like, yeah. the people that are trying to be Lil Dicky, they're trying to be Weird Al, they're trying to be Adam Sandler. Um, you say you wrote on that show? Yeah, season three. Yeah. That's fire. Um, and so, yeah. Talk. Talk, talk heavy. <laughs> yeah, it was fun. It was a great experience. Uh, you know, it's cool. It just sucks that, like, our season came out during the uh, the strike, so, like, we couldn't promote it or anything. Oh, man. Yeah, so it, it, I don't know if it did the best viewership-wise, but, like, 
we had some really big names on the show and the point of having big names on the show is so they can promote it you know what i'm saying yeah. um and they couldn't so it just mm. that that was unfortunate oh man yeah, that shit gotta suck <laughs> bad timing gotta, on that yeah, yeah. Bad but you know i'm glad i'm glad it happened you know i'm glad the strikes are over but it, it was yeah. crazy to like finally break into the industry and they're like hey you want to be a part of two of the biggest labor strikes of all time like that was a lot you know it was this has been a very tough year to be like a writer artist all that stuff so but you know i'm glad that it's over and we got fair deals and all that. So. Did, you, did you join the strike? Oh yeah, I was on the picket lines like almost every day. Oh, it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, if I did, and that was the thing. It's like I was having to balance like still doing stand up, and then I had to work because like you know that was my first TV job, so like I don't have a bunch of money saved up, so I had to. I worked at the dispensary during the strike, so if I didn't have work, I was on the picket line, you know, marching with my sign and stuff. So yeah, that's so far. There's been people who there was like someone who came to a mutual aid distro. And they're like, they um thing they did work in like production. So it's like writers got affected by like people, just like lots of different people like in that in that circle. Man, it 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 was it was very tough, man. Especially just like talking to a lot of other, like young black writers mm-hmm. that were like very new to this and like and like uh not feeling like the, and even like within that the strike and all this kind of stuff, not feeling like their voices were being heard. You know, mm-hmm. uh, it's it's tough. It's definitely like a. It's different because, you know, uh, there's a very famous comedian writer named Drew Carey. Um, and he uh, he's, he is an investor in two restaurants in L.A. And so during the strike, uh, he sponsored every person that was a Writers Guild member that you could come in and eat free every day during the strike. Fire. Yeah, man. Like, it was crazy. So, like, uh, that's that, like, saved my life. I was eating at this diner, like, every day. Because it was just, like, I didn't have the money to grocery shop like I usually did. You know what I'm saying? Uh, because that was that was the thing that a lot of people don't understand is like, yeah, like if you were writing on a TV, sh- like it, it affected so many people because like, let's say you were writing on a show and then the strike happens, that stops. And then like for me, I just got finished writing a show. And, you know, when you get finished writing a show and it's about to come out, now you use that momentum to go do other things. Right now, I, I can't use that momentum. I can't go take meetings or try to sell a show or try to pitch a movie because everything's dead. So it was just kind of like I had all this momentum that just got killed. So I, it, it killed a lot of, like, opportunities to try to make money. So, you know, I was at this diner eating there, like, every day. Like, the waitresses recognized me so much. Like, I had a nickname, like, when I would come in there. You know what I'm saying? And, uh, it's, it was it was very tough, but it was just dope to see, like, people like that that are famous know how important community is. You know what I'm saying? And I feel like that's lost on a lot of when it's artists move up. Mm-hmm. And so it, and it was also kind of sad to see that. Not a lot of p- other people on his level or even bigger who didn't do that same thing. I'm just like, man, every restaurant in Hollywood should have been sponsored. You know what I'm saying? All that money out there. Yeah. Like, how are, how, yeah. do, how do you not see what Drew Carey's doing? And I do because, like, that was the other thing. Like, yeah, because the actors, because that was for WGA members, the writers. So the actors didn't have anybody that mm. did that for them. And those are the people that have all the money. Yeah. Actors. You know what I'm saying? And so it was it was. This has been very eye-opening. I was talking to another writer. It was like, I think, like, the pandemic and these labor strikes have just been kind of eye-opening to how people in that top 10, 10 to 1% view the rest of us and then also how celebrities use their platform and who actually cares because it's like you got to be proactive. And so for him to be like, yeah, put it on my – put it on my. I think his, his tab ended up being like $700,000. Whoa. Like he was Ooh. for feeding people. That's, that's what community you know? looks like. And it's just yeah. like there's so many. I, he's not the only person that can do that. That dude hasn't worked in 
Yeah. I don't know how long. Like, when's the last time you seen Drew Carey on TV? Because when he walked, he would come to the diner and he would chill at it because he eat. He part owns it, so like he would uh, eat there sometimes. And I was like, man, that's that's power to walk into a diner. You sit down and you're eating lunch, and then also everybody in that restaurant is also on your tab. Like that's that's amazing. And it's just like the fact that he was kind of one of the only people to do that was kind of upsetting. It's like yeah. there's so many people that like could have done something. Like you can't even make a post. Yeah. This dude's feeding thousands of people, and you can't even make a post. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, that's how I be feeling about um something like uh like you know what I mean uh some of the activists out here that got big platforms. Yeah, and they can uh shine light on stuff that's going on like right here. Mm-hmm. They'll, they'll they'll travel out of state and go to other different, you know yeah. what I mean? Just because that's what's popular right then and there. Right. So that's why I be looking like, oh, yo, you, you sitting right here in the city with me. You see this shit. Like, you yeah. know what, what, I mean? what are you doing but, for your uh, community? Yeah. And that, and that's the thing is like, um, this I was uh I was hanging out with this, this rapper named uh, Nick Pratt the other day. He's a cool guy from Atlanta and he had his T-shirt and on the back it said, social issues are not trends. And I was like, I love that because I feel like activism has become trendy. So it's like, all right, this is the thing we care about now. This is the thing we care about now. And it's just like the people that have really been in this this thing, we've been talking about what's been going on in the Gaza Strip for years. You know what I'm saying? Like liberation for all people. Like we've been talking about this thing. Um, and going so, on in the Congo. What's yeah, going on here? exactly. And so that's not, and that's not getting enough attention, you know? And so it's just things I can see if you have a big platform. It's like, all right, well, this is the thing. So. I'm hop over here and talk about this for a while and do this and then there could be something going on in your backyard that needs that same attention and you just kind of like ignore it because this is what everybody this is the algorithm you know what mm-hmm. um when you, shame. When, when you write do you catch any like uh roadblocks window blocks all like, the time i've been i've been trying to write this one movie since like since march i wrote like 40 pages in a couple days because like part of it came to me i was like oh do this this and that and i just been stuck on it yeah. for like seven months and like I'll just put it away and just not look at it. And then the other day, something kind of came to me, and I started writing a little bit. But yeah, all the time. That's why I always tell writers like have multiple things when you're writing, so that way you're always you you may not finish one thing, but you're always writing something. Your brain's always being creative, and you can always come back to whatever they think because you'll get yeah, an idea later. Yeah. What um when is it is what's the difference between writing a TV show and writing a movie? Okay, so. Writing a movie is a very, like, singular experience. So when I write a movie, I'm usually by myself, and I have, like, an out, like like outline that I wrote up, like, this will happen, this will happen, and then I turn that into the script, you know, and then it's very, like, it's a, it's a long process. It, it can take years to write a movie because you're writing it by yourself, and it's usually always going to change, and you're always going to get have ideas and details and that kind of thing, whereas writing TV is more, is a, like, collaborative effort. So, like, in the room, like, Dave room, we had, like, 12 people. And then you only have 16 weeks, so you don't have all this time to waste. So it's a time crunch. So it's like we, when you get it, on the white, get it on the whiteboard and we start outlining it and putting the script together. And so it's just, like, TV is just, like, way more of, like, a collaborative effort and almost kind of, like, assembly line writing in a way because it goes from, like, just pitching to, okay, that's cool, let's, let's, let's plot it out on the whiteboard to – the assistant types it down on an outline and then they get an outline to whoever's assigned to write that episode. Mm-hmm. And then they write the episode, they turn it into the producers of the show 
and then the producers change the script up, that kind of thing, and then they turn it into the network, and then the network is like, well, we, do we have this this company's advertiser, so no, you can't do that joke and make fun of them. Hey, mm-hmm. take this out, blah blah blah, send it back, change it back and forth, back and forth until you shoot it. So it's a very just like assembly line back and forth process for that takes place in just a few months. Yeah. Uh, I was gonna ask. Um, I was I was. I was listening to the Joe Budden podcast with uh, Vince Staples recently. Yeah, that was a good episode. I, was, I saw that. It was fire. Hey, I, I love Vince. I've been listening to him since like yeah, our future he's days. He's one of my favorite, man. Yeah. And he a funny ass nigga too. He is. Um, but he talked about, I think him and Joe was going back and forth <clears throat> about like, I guess like kind of like create, like black creators breaking into the like industry from like a, like a director mm-hmm. um, standpoint. And like try, basically just like supporting black content, yeah. Um, and all the different barriers to entry um, to like black creators. I don't know if you ever like thought about that because uh, just like if every you day speak on that because uh, he there was I think he was talking about they clone Tyrone. Yeah, um, I really enjoyed that. I really enjoyed that film. Yeah, it was so it. good. And that was a that guy. That guy's a first time director. Yeah, what? Yeah, that was his first feature film. Yeah. And so, so, it's, that and that so it's like as a, as a community, we need to support that guy. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like we need to whatever he does next, we need to all come out in droves and support that shit. Like that was his first film on Netflix with John Boyega and mm-hmm. Tiana Paris and Jamie Foxx, and it was really entertaining. You know, mm-hmm. um, and that was a that was a first time guy, and it's just like that was a white boy, and that was his first time. That was his first time. First movie, oh, he would have been on every magazine. Yeah. Like, I don't even know what this dude looks like. Yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. either. Like, they he like, why isn't he getting a photo shoot and all this type of stuff and all these interviews and me? Like, I don't even know what this dude looks like, but I really enjoyed this film. And so, I would just say, like, if you're a person of color that enjoys good film, like, we need to support that dude. Yeah, yeah. It, it was like breaking down all the different costs that go into it, which I had never <laughs> thought about. Oh like, man, it's expensive, bro. Like, I, I just produced my first uh, short film through my own production company, and like, Talk. Uh, I learned a lot about that. And it's it's and like you said, with the barriers you have to go through, because I, I tell people all the time, like, the movie industry is very it's exclusive for a reason. Like, they don't let just anybody in to make movies. Like, that's that's media. It's programming. It's entertainment. Like. There, there are different things you have to go through. Yeah. And so it's like, there's there's three ways to get in. There is, you're born rich already, so you had the money to just buy your way into it. Nepotism. Yeah. Your parents your parents are, are successful film industry people, whether that be execs, producers, actors, whatever. And then third, you got to be really talented and get lucky. Like, those are the three. And so, and so it's just like you didn't go to the right school or if you don't your parents don't know the right person there's just a lot of work you just have to do and so like you have to understand that and you have to be strategic with how you do things um and so like that that means building an audience and crowdfunding and all this other type of stuff because it's just like you know for us like i went on the internet and basically raised around forty thousand dollars to go shoot this for the short film and it's just like but there's somebody that went to NYU that can just like ask their parents like, "Hey, can you talk to so and so?" And then they just get forty thousand dollars from one person. Yeah. Whereas like we had to get, we had to corral four hundred people to get our forty thousand dollars. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so it's just like, there's everybody takes the same steps. It's just a lot more steps, or it's just like a different way to get there. And so as a black, as a black creative, it's the film industry is like very tough because one you're probably not going to be pitching or trying to get money from other black people because we just don't have that stake in the industry yet. Like we're getting there. 
And like with as many stars as we have, I think it we should be doing better, but we're just not um, because of just like not being organized or yeah. this or that type of thing. But there are like some more like black film funds being created and things like that. So that's that's good to see that that's happening. Um, but yeah, it's just like most of the time, like I've never pitched to a black person before. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like I've never like it's always been if there is a black person in the room, they work for the white person I'm pitching to, mm-hmm. you know. And so like you almost have to speak a different language to them to pitch the movie or yeah. pitch the show. And so like that that's a barrier in itself. There there's things that just there's very good projects and scripts that just don't get made straight up because the white person you pitching it to just doesn't understand. Yeah, cuz you're yeah. you're picking you're creating it for a black audience. Exactly. Yeah. And but you got white funders. Right. And so you know, and you start to think like that doesn't even really even make sense. I'm creating something for black people, but I have to get a white person with money to understand it and like it and and get behind it first mm-hmm. that's almost that's damn near impossible mm-hmm. so if you do see a black movie get made it's almost just like it's i don't know what did you even do to get this on here you know what i'm saying so like so like like a they took clone tyrone is just crazy and they did that through uh macro ventures which is a black owned finance company Fine. they uh they're starting to like finance black movies and stuff so when you see when some so i was telling somebody they're like man they, they let a movie like this get on netflix i was like well it was produced by a black company mm. and so we have to get more equity in the industry so someone who's very talented or works really hard doesn't have to ask 400 people just to get forty thousand dollars you know yeah. we need to have things set in place like let's Let's fund these as like a community. Let's get these films out because like that's something I would really like to do when I get established is like basically just like pick two two black film filmmakers, two black male filmmakers, and like get, here's money, go make a short, and yeah. let's see what let's just see what happens because you got to give people a shot. Yeah. Like a lot of these top directors that are like, if you look at all the top directors, like those guys where you just say their name and you know what movies that are like the Tarantino, Scorsese, Wes Anderson, like all you got to do is say their name and you know their films, right? Mm-hmm. Like those guys made bad movies first. Mm-hmm. Like like Tarantino didn't come out the gate making Django. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like that dude started making movies in the 80s and made Django in 2012. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. What there's not there's no black people are getting that kind of like all right, let's keep let's keep giving them a career and let them 30 years to make the big thing you know what i'm saying if you're you're black in this thing your first joint got to be fired you never get another shot again Facts, that yeah. dude had to make they clone tyrone like that yeah, yeah but we never yeah. were gonna hear about him ever again you know what i'm saying yeah. wes anderson he's a very big filmmaker his first movie sucks yeah bottle rocket compared to like moonrise kingdom look like wes anderson but i think that's the thing you got to make bottle rocket to get there though yeah and he made and the thing is he made bottle rocket uh off a of short film version of bottle rocket that's even worse than the feature <laughs> it's really bad like i my first short film is 20 times better than wes anderson's short film Talk that shit. i didn't get shit from that you know what i'm saying like but it allowed me to get an audience to now making something that's even bigger it's still another short film but eventually i'll get to the point where i can make a feature but it's like as a black person we're not given the and Donald Glover said this before. He said that's why he loves Jaden Smith so much. He's like he was like the first black kid that's like had all this room to just fail. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, that's so fire. Fire. Yeah, Will Smith is my dad. I can fail as much as I want to until I finally get it right. Like yeah. Jaden Smith, like we don't even know what Jaden Smith is gonna even do yet. Like music and the acting and all that stuff. He's probably like he's probably like oh I'm just trying to homeless. Yeah, he's feeding the home. Like he's he's doing all kinds of shit. Like 
Jaden Smith like might be he might create some app or like create some new industry some new yeah, industry yeah, we don't yeah. even know just because he's had so many chances to fail you know what I'm saying I I have not had the chance to fail yet <laughs> you know what I'm saying and because it's like it's like when you're black creative it's like it's so much that goes into it because like you wanna you wanna not make black people look bad in your project because that's always gonna be a thing on the internet and then you also but you also don't want to be corny and you want to entertain your people but then you also got to make it palatable to a wide audience as well if you want to make some money so that's all the things and then it's like also like oh, i can't mess up i can't make a bad movie because i might not get another shot and like that's we've seen that a lot in like black filmmakers black actors where you see them in like one thing and then the next thing's not good and you just don't ever see them again and so it just happens so much but guys like wes anderson and scorsese like i looked up all these like I, somebody made a post on instagram of like all the films martin scorsese's made like he's been making movies since 19 his first feature film came out in 1967 you know what that was uh i forget what it's called but it's like a it's a movie about like a woman that works at a diner or something like that but then it's like he didn't make raging bull till 1980 so he'd been making films for 13 years before raging bull was like the first one that was like oh this dude is the one but it's like how many black people are getting 13 years to figure it out? Yeah. They, you know they can saying? fall to the top or something like that. I feel like that's yeah. The way yeah. Yeah. They, yeah. Yeah. And so, and I love Martin Scorsese. He's one of my favorite directors ever. And it's just like, it's his first movie that really popped off is 1980. Now it's 2024, about to be 2024. And he might win an Oscar for this movie he just made recently, The Killers of the Flower Moon, which is great. Mm-hmm. That was, that's so long to be making. Like, he's 80, still making films that are relevant and good because he got all those chances to keep working and stuff so it's just like we have to find a way as because black as black people we're gonna have to do it for ourselves so we're gonna have to find a way to make make a artist community where we can support young creatives to mess up to make a bad short film to make to make a film where oh shit the lens cap was on this entire scene and i had no idea fuck like we we need that because the next genius out there needs those chances to fail and so if i can make a couple things good so i can get enough money to help that happen eventually like i would love to be a part of that like that that would be dope you know who was nice at feeling though and, and turning into a masterpiece who dolomite man <laughs> dolomite, dolomite changed my life man you know, Chase Vines too. he Bro. made me want to be he's the one who uh, i think gave me like my rude i um Swagger when I wanted to get up on stage, yeah, and just be like, ah, you know what I mean, like just not care about shit, just yeah, get up there and talk. Learning about Dolomite changed my entire career. Um, I was like 24 when I learned about Dolomite, and I was living out here. It was summer 2019, and uh, I found I just like found something about him on YouTube, and I looked him up, and I saw where his first comedy album, he recorded it in his friend's apartment because he couldn't get booked at places and stuff like that and he couldn't afford a room and i was like and i was 24 at the time i've been doing comedy in la for a while because I, I started when i was 20 and i just wasn't getting booked like at all i wasn't and i was like i know i'm funny because i came out here and I, I was getting put on all these shows because so it's just more stage time in new york and i was like doing really really well and i was like i know i have an hour of material i know i can do this and then my friend max shout out to him back in la he he runs like this house show in LA that's like the most fun house show and it's free a lot of people come all this type of stuff and I was like they already do the show what if they just let me do an hour on the show and we taped it you know what I'm saying and I got that idea because Dolomite did that shit and then that's what popped on the internet for me and I got an audience and stuff so like it's crazy how 
things that are done as an art as an artist like because that was like back in the 70s when he recorded that album i'm looking at this in 2019 adopting that same ideology and it changed everything for me and it's like then that dude like he did the comedy albums and he started putting his money together and he started making movies and like that's what i'm doing now but like that dude was on some next level shit in the 70s that like a lot of people now still aren't on where it's just like let's just go make it it may not be the prettiest thing ever. It may not be the best thing ever. But let's make. And he was making movies for the people. Like he, he was just like, I. He literally said this in interviews. Like I know what niggas want to. I know what niggas want to see. They want to see violence, car chases, and titties. And I'm gonna put that in a movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, crazy, and every yeah. if you go and watch any Dolomite film, it has That's a car chase, some really nice titties, and violence. Every yeah, single yeah, film. Because yeah, he's yeah, like, yeah. I know what the niggas that li- like me want to watch. And yeah. when his movies would go in these little independent theaters, the shit would sell out sell like crazy. Out. And he owned those films, and so it's it's crazy. It's crazy, just like what he was able to do. And then they made the movie on Netflix about him, which is really good. Or Eddie Murphy plays him. Did you watch that? It's so good. Oh, it was great. My Wesley Snipes was funny in that shit. Mike Epps was funny in that shit. And so it's just like that movie came. It's like I learned about Dolomite, and I did the special. And then the movie came out not too long after I did the special, and I was, it was kind of like, oh shit, like I really, you know, I did it, and it was, it's just like that movie. So I would tell any artist, black, white, whatever, go watch that movie because it'll inspire you to like, yeah. go just do whatever. Stop thinking about whatever you want to do, go do it. And that's that was literally all Dolomite did. It was like, I'm gonna go do it. It might not be the best thing, but I'm gonna do it. Cause the thing is, it's like a lot of people like they you they hear you talk about what you do, but you gotta go do that shit. And then they see it, and they're like, "Oh, well, how can I help you make this better now?" You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So you gotta be, you gotta be okay with putting out something that may not be the best thing in the world. Like, I shot a special, stand on it. Uh, yeah, I shot a special in a house. The quality isn't the best, like it's not the best camera angles and all this other type of stuff, and but it's hilarious. You know what I'm saying? At the end of the day, it's just really good jokes. And to then, like my next special looks great it looks professionally produced and has an animated yeah. movie on it and stuff but you don't get to that if you don't just go do the shitty version of it first yeah yeah starting yeah. Boom, 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 yeah well um all right can you tell us this uh tell us about like you growing up in mississippi yeah, yeah. but what's the what's the difference between growing up in mississippi then doing your community work comedian work in la and then new york yeah um i mean it's just so slow paced out there uh, like nobody's in a rush to do anything in Mississippi, and that's what drive that would drive me crazy as a kid. Like, why does nobody want to do it? Like, it was just like everybody was just like, do it when we get to it, man. I hate that shit. I hate that shit. Like, I I'm very much like, no, let's go. Come on, let's, let's get, to get it right it. now. Let's get to it. Everybody drives slow. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and I, I and I make this joke on stage where I say like, it's still 2007 in Mississippi. Like, yeah. Mississippi is like very much like 15 years behind like everything socially like just from like the way people talk and what they say and like you know just like even like the lgbtq community is just now really getting getting started getting, getting, getting respect and getting and like and people being like accepting them and stuff and it's like it's 2023 like and do not pat on. yourself on the back because you don't you say no a slur cool anymore. Like, you know what <laughs> For not being racist, be not being homophobic, not being transphobic. Stuff, I'm like, when are they watching these TV? Like, do they not see TV or what's going on around, around Bruh, the world? Like, I really like, think a lot of they don't be that. That shouldn't, don't know, nobody really do that. Like, I think that's how they watch TV. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, I don't see nobody doing that around me, so that can't actually be real. Yeah. And I, in the South, that's like how, like, niggas think. Like, mm-hmm. and when I say niggas, I mean everybody. Like, I, yeah. like it's just like, 
it is crazy out there. Um, but yeah, I just I, I dealt with a lot of racism growing up, and I think it's because it's a place where it was so violently racist at a time that it's just there's just deeply seated racism in that part of the South mm-hmm. that is always going to show itself at any like at any point because it's just so rooted in it. Like I, I say this on stage all the time, it's like we have Martin Luther King Day in Mississippi, but it's also Robert E. Lee Day on the same day. Say, uh, say words. Podcast over. Yeah. Like that's, that's where this <laughs> place is. Like it's on the calendar. It says Robert E. Lee dash Martin Luther King. It's like how you gonna put Martin Luther King in a fraction, bro? Like that's crazy. Yeah, like, it's on the calendar. Like of course. Fuck Robert. Um, I think like this time last year, my friend had a wedding. I was out did there. You, did you feel the vibes? Is it still? Oh, like, whenever I go, it feels like there's like a dark cloud over me. Like I just feel I I, I feel uncomfortable. Yeah. yeah. And I and like I I hate going home. It's it's weird. Like I love seeing my mom and my dad and everything, but I tell them like I just don't feel comfortable here. I was it's bad. And then like they still I think it's April. I think they it's Confederate Heritage Month. Yeah. Oh, shit. yeah. And, the, and so like they just had the elect the government uh the governor elections uh. And the racist dude won again. Uh, Tate Reeves, piece of shit. So, so yeah. So it's it's tough. And 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 like the thing is, I hate talking about it because it's just like there are people on the ground out there doing amazing work trying to change stuff. But that state has just been so redlined, and like there's so much control up at the top that it's almost like you just like you just fighting to stay above, like stay afloat. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, but they, there's there's a lot of amazing activists and people on the ground in Mississippi doing great work and trying to trying to get people out to vote and trying to change stuff and everything. It's just they're working up against a lot of they're working uphill. You know, yeah. it's a lot. Hey, oh, you want to say? Uh, I was going to ask. Um, uh, maybe change the topic a little bit, but talking about your upbringing, you mentioned I think on your stand up, you mentioned you went to a private school. Yeah. Yeah. What was that like in? in Mississippi and like what was the dynamics of that like influence just yeah. like how you so it's it. funny cause like when I say private school like when you go to a big city people are like oh cause they, what private schools are here but private school in Mississippi is completely different mm. it is not it's it's literally it's just a private school it doesn't mean it's better <laughs> so so in Mississippi there are these things called segregation academies so what? basically yeah. <laughs> they don't use the term anymore but this is what Pretty much every private school in Mississippi is this, except for the one I went to because it started in the 90s. It was more just like a Christian school that they wanted kids to have like a Christian education, whatever the fuck. And my parents wanted me to go there. But the in segregation uh, was official, what, 1964? Was that when the Civil Rights Act passed, something like that? So basically, when as that was coming up, uh, basically a bunch of private schools were started in Mississippi uh, so if you go to like a lot of private schools in Mississippi, it'll say like established like 1959, 1960, 1961, because they knew what was coming. And so basically they created private schools so their kids wouldn't have to go to school with black kids. They're like, oh, if that public school is integrating, all right, we starting our own school. And so you had these just like country white folks starting their own private school. The education was isn't there, because <laughs> <Right. laughs> like it's getting lost. Look, so it, it's like it's literally the blind leading the blind. Yeah. So it's a private school, but you're not. When you go to in New York, 
you when your homie comes like, bro, they gave me a scholarship. I'm going to this private school. You going there for like a better education yeah, yeah, yeah. and to get job opportunities like and all this. And like now it's like a fraternity. Like, oh, I can go work at this company because yeah, this dude network. went to this private school like a long time ago, and it's really nice. Nah, in Mississippi, Alabama, most of those private schools are were literally just made to get away from black kids. That's so they're not good crazy. schools. A lot of them are shitty. They go to school in like schoolyard <laughs> buildings and stuff like that. And like some of those schools like didn't even have uniforms because it's not re- it's not real. Private. They know why they're there. They just want to yeah. get away from black kids. And so it's just like so when you say private school, I like in Mississippi, it's not what you think it is. Um, so it's it's always funny when people say that. But it, it definitely was it was definitely weird for me because, you know, I grew up. I went to an all black church and then you go to this Christian school and it's like all white. And so as a kid, I get I got to see the differences with how black people and white people do Christianity and religion. You know what I'm saying? And so like, whereas like, it's like on Sunday, I see all these black people screaming and crying and praying and all this stuff. And then Monday through Friday, I see all these, these white people like using God as a justification to be racist. So I'm just like, (laughs) so I'm just like, like, well, this is a little bit more culty. One of y'all is like, either one of y'all is right or none of y'all is right. You know what I'm saying? And I realized none of y'all is right. So, it was just it was definitely weird it it was as a kid it was just like it was definitely weird like flip-flopping between those two and just seeing the differences like you as a child like because if you grow up in it you see it very early like wait y'all don't pray the same y'all don't worship god the same mm-hmm. they're black people using god as like a this is how i make it through and all this mm-hmm. type of stuff and y'all using god as well this is our land and god yeah, gave it manifest to us destiny. Like, manifest destiny <laughs> yeah. all type of shit so that's what, that's what we try to tell people like the KKK is like they they it's a Christian religion. organization. Yeah, it's a Christian organization. Let the motherfuckers be pastors and everything, yep. bro. And I was like, they think they really like saving on some Christ. They on they on a, a fucking uh what's that shit called crusade? Yep. <laughs> mm-hmm. They think they on a crusade. Mm-hmm. And uh that's why I, I tell them like America is like it. You know what I mean? When they came over on the Mayflower, they they called them crusaders and they called them. Saying it was over here searching for religion. So mm-hmm. I'm talking about all the shit that's here is based off that goddamn Bible. Yep. And it was crazy. I was watching uh, something on, on on Instagram the other day with this dude, black dude, was talking. He was like, um, "I don't I don't believe in religion." He said, "I believe in God." He was like, "All them books say it's one God." Mm-hmm. And he was like, "So all them other so all them books do." Is divide us. Divide us. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah. He said all them books, all them different religions. We all believe it's one dude. So all these other books are just dividing us and making us hate each other. He's and like, it's, yeah, and it's all like the same story. Same story. And then like a lot of those stories are just ripoffs of like Greek mythology. Mm-hmm. And that's why I try I to tell Greek people, mythology. bro. I, yo, yeah. bro. I mean, Greek mythology is fire. <laughs> I, mean, I said, I said, what? I said, what's the difference between the Bible and the goddamn Odyssey and all of the Greek mythology? Like, what, what's the difference? Oh, it was multiple guys and that. And there's only God. Bro, it's the same story, bro. You base your <laughs> shit off the most. Shit out of here. And it's crazy because as a kid, you know, you learn about all these different religions. And so you're told, like, oh, yeah, they're wrong. And then you start to think, it's like, so we just got lucky and got put into the one that's right. <laughs> hey, bro. Like, I started smoking weed. I started smoking weed at, like, 13, 14 and that's when it all kind of like started clicking. <laughs> uh, it's like, period. So we just all got lucky and we just believe, right we believe in the right. And it's like, and then you think about, and this, this is a, this is something I always say is if a bunch of white people agree on it and, and, and do it, it's probably wrong. It is wrong. <laughs> and, and it so, gives cold. Yeah. And so it's like, 
us and these rednecks <laughs> believe in the same God and Jesus? Nah, man. Somebody lying, bro. That's my funny. I was like, someone posted on TikTok. It was like, um, whenever there's a, a situation going on in the world, just think of who. Who are the niggas in this situation? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Always. Yep. The Irish. Yeah. All that. Yeah. You yeah, know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, yeah. it, it was crazy. Like, I was like, and I even said it to my mom. I was like, so we just, and she was like, yeah. Like, no, dog. We didn't just get yeah. lucky and we the one, we just the chosen ones that believe the right one. And then the story we believe is the same, just in a different language somewhere else. Yeah. It's like, it's almost like it's calculated. It's, it's almost yeah. like it was like a room like this. And it was eight niggas like, all right, you control them, you control them. This is the book we're going to use. Let's all change it up Bro, a little bit. All right, so look. You know how many times the Bible has been you know, rewritten? Comedians be speaking the truth, bro. That's what I said. Like, well, you I'm gotta not, be, I'm not, I'm not writing this shit. I'm just telling you what's on. This is what you said. That This is what I thought, and that's what I said. Yeah. And it just happened to be funny, but I'm, I, this is what I'm saying, though. Yeah. This is real. Yeah. And when you said that shit, though, like, I, I believe that shit too. Just yeah. what you said, bro. They sat down at the round table just like when they we sat down and said, boom, this is your land, this is your land, this is your land. Y'all just get along. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, this, and take that book with you, you take that book with you. Right. And you teach them people. You know what I mean? It's all, it, it just Congrats a lot of it feels the same. And, it, and, it, and it's weird that like the religions where it may not be like, like Buddhism, for instance, like doesn't have that story. And it's very much about just like enlightenment and like uh, not hanging on the material things mm-hmm. the media makes buddhists look crazy exactly and i'm like because yeah. they can't make, you can't make money yeah, off yeah. buddhism yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah they don't tithe <laughs> they, yeah. buddhists, buddhists don't tithe <laughs> i've never heard of a buddhist giving 10 percent of their income every sunday yeah. so yeah we're gonna but we're gonna make tbn and put pastors on the tv screen and telling them buy this prayer cloth for 5.99 and everything in your life gonna go right you know what i'm saying yeah. like and then and then it's Girl, crazy how like it just seems so calculated because it's like how like like all the Islamophobia and like how Muslims are treated. It's like mm-hmm. it's like, all right, well the one where the brown people do, we're gonna pretend like that one's bad, even though it's the same exact yeah. story. Like it's just crazy. And like because like growing up in Mississippi, like the running like the running joke all the time was just like Muslim people are terrorists. And like that shit can like it becomes so deeply rooted, like were you making jokes as a child to then it comes then you thirty talking about you you cool with genocide happening. But yeah. it starts as a kid when you yeah, hear when, when you hear yeah. the Muslim jokes and shit, yeah. and you yeah. laughing and talking about how oh they're covering their hair and la 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 all that shit. Yeah. Like you think that's funny, and then now you can easily be fooled with this propaganda that yeah. these people in a, basically an open air prison don't deserve to have their land and don't deserve to be free and can drink water that only four percent of it is okay to drink. You know what I'm saying, or and, or, or they you, don't have water, right? At or, all. Or, or, or like won't even look up the facts because you don't care because you're just like, oh, I don't, I don't care about Muslim people. Yeah, that's just how it starts. I want to touch on something that Riley was talking about just now because I, I, I'm a big fan of of comedy and stand up mm-hmm. comedians because I, I do, I do believe that like, it's like the one avenue where you can talk about situations that would be really sensitive in mm-hmm. normal conversation, or if it was even coming from an intellectual, people would try to dismiss it in different ways. Yeah. But when it's comedy, you first laugh and then you have to think about why you laughing and mm-hmm. what was really said. And by the time I've already made you laugh, it's just too late. You already laughed at it. You know yeah. what I'm saying? But yeah, <laughs> comedy comedy disarms people. You yeah, know what yeah. I'm saying? Like, you know, I, my last special in 2022, I talked about Palestine and the Gaza Strip and all this and all that, all that, what was going on over, over there. Um, and it's just crazy how you can take things that are normally taboo or you're not supposed to talk about, but if you can make it funny in any way, 
you can definitely talk about it. No, it's um, digestible for right. people. And uh, and it's like you can say things people can't say because yeah. they work at a job or some shit like that, you know. Um, but it's like there's a lot of power in that as well because right. you've seen comedians get rich and then they pivot from that mm-hmm. and then they they become like on this reactionary side of things when they used to be truth tellers or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, it's it's definitely it's like a it's definitely like a power it's, and and it's also frustrating. I was talking to this one writer about this because you know a lot of people in the entertainment industry are losing jobs and opportunities because of their stance on uh, Palestine and everything. Mm-hmm. Like uh, like a very top film executive, she just she just like posted something about how genocide is bad and she lost her she lost her very high position at a company you know and it's like a lot right isn't that crazy Crazy. (laughs) i thought we all can agree genocide is bad and so a lot of of people in the entertainment industry are kind of scared to speak out or they lose jobs losing opportunities that type of thing and it's crazy and we were talking about how like i literally make jokes about this kind of stuff and make it and and she was saying like well as long as entertainment they don't Mm -hmm. care but you making just like a straight up post and saying this is wrong this is bad blah 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 ain't no punchline to it they don't like that yeah. you know what i'm saying and so it, it definitely if it i felt dehumanized in a way because i was just like i'm talking about my pain and people across the world and what's fucked up about life in general out here and it's okay for me to talk about it as long as i make y'all laugh and i dance on stage mm-hmm. when i say it but if i'm just like hey free palestine like this is terrible nah bro you can't work here no more do, do you feel like an obligation to include some of that in your creative process or is it more like um compelled to yeah i do because i just feel like it is kind of like this is a privilege to be able to do to perform and everything and so if i'm up there i want to be able to say something that will make you think later um mm-hmm. and I, but i don't i don't ever want to be like that preachy comedian yeah. or anything like that because uh, at the end of the day you got to be funny people yeah. spend their money and shit but I do feel a responsibility to say certain things because I've had people reach out to me, man. Just like uh, I had this I had this joke I did on my last special about how um, white people adopting black and Asian kids makes me uh, like uncomfortable. I don't like that shit. And I feel like I feel like white people that adopt black kids are like rappers. Like they just use the like black child to flex like a chain and shit like that. And so like. This, this girl who's Asian hit me up and was like, yo, I'm literally writing a whole news article, like journalist article right now about like how, like what, how, what transracial adoption, how it affects kids. And like she told me like her experience and her parents and stuff like that. And so I've seen how jokes about uncomfortable topics like that affect the people who are actually going through it and they feel heard and they feel seen. You know what I'm saying? And just like, and like a few years ago, I had a girl hit me up after my last special. She was, I can't remember where, but she was a college student in America, but she was from the Gaza Strip. She's Palestinian. And she literally, she had said, like, my, uh, this is like 2021. And she had said, like, her sister had died in, like, a, in, like, a bombing, basically. Because newsflash, bombing didn't start on October 7th. It didn't. <laughs> it's been happening over 75 years. They have been killing those people for generations. Yeah. And her sister had died uh, in a Gaza Strip bombing. And she literally said, like, it has been so hard, but I watch your comedy, it makes me feel better. And I was like, "Oh yeah, bro, okay. how can you not talk about this shit? Yeah. You know? So, it's... Yeah. 
it's tough, but I feel like it's like one of those things is um, it's not tougher than what the people are going through. So, yeah. Right. Yeah, shit, man. That, 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 um, Voice of the people. That's what yeah. I'm saying. Like, Israel, Israel is occupying those people. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they, um, like I said, I got, I got it. I found out about, you know what I mean, uh, what was going on uh, back in 2021. Mm-hmm. Like, of uh, seeing that march and going out there and talking mm-hmm. to the people. and But, um, you know, we be out here marching now. You know, it'd be the, you know they be they be tight, bro. People be out. We be outside saying "Free Palestine." It's not like we saying "Fuck Israel." None of that shit. No, we be outside saying "Free Palestine." You know what I mean? Yeah. And and the motherfuckers that go crazy, bro. They come running out with their little flags yeah. and just ah, why you why you yeah. out here? Really? Well, it's it's like they they've done such a good job with the propaganda, man. Because yeah. so so many people have to be in the military over there, the IDF, you yeah. know, and so it's like that's been deeply rooted into you. And like, that was literally my joke. I said in my special, I said, uh, I was at a birthday party at a bar and I had a friend who he was very active. He was a big activist and he would wear like a free Palestine button. And like, we were at the bar and he doing this. And so this birthday party, the girl that was uh, at the party, she was Jewish and she, she had invited some friends and some girls that came and they were former IDF soldiers. Oh shit. And so like they come in and he got this on, oh, you know shit. what I'm saying? Yeah. And so I and so when I say that and everybody in the crowd's like, Oh shit. And I go, if you don't understand why everybody's scared is cause, uh, the IDF soldiers don't really fuck with the free Palestine thing. Cause they, the niggas not free in Palestine. Yeah. <laughs> and, not- and that's what, when you go to a protest, the IDF and the police, or like this because they train the NYPD is trained by the idea they go to they go to Israel to like Mm -hmm. like seminars to learn the shit like they learn the surveillance technology Mm -hmm. they learn how to beat our asses better that's why why we're trying to tell the Palestinians when we march with them sometimes because they they get mad when uh, when they see us arguing with the cops sometimes Mm -hmm. you know what I mean they um, want everybody to be safe yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what that's the whole yeah. thing. Like they, they want everybody to be safe, mm-hmm. um, and they don't want you know. And, and also, they don't. They're not used to. Uh, that's what I'm saying. Uh, I guess the ones that's over there that's actually putting in that dollar. You know what I mean? That's mm-hmm. putting in the fight. They probably be all down for. It. But you, yeah. you know these these ones that's that's over here in America. Right. That, um, they kind of look at, at at them as boom all right, That's yeah. You know what I mean? Like and they probably already feel like here. they have a target on their back being Palestinian in America. Yeah. You know they, oh, they do. So probably bro. even just going outside during a time like this is scary in itself. You know? Yeah. But I, I, that's why I'm trying to like like open them up to like boom like uh, yeah them too like you know yeah. what I mean? these are the ones when y'all come over here to fight for y'all people but these are the ones that's gonna mm-hmm. tear you up over here but um that us we're not just boycotting McDonald's we're not just boycotting Burger King right. or Dunkin' Donuts we boycotting the cops too yeah. Because, I mean, they literally, it's all about protecting property and mm-hmm. not caring about people. And, yeah. and, and they very much, like you said, with the surveillance and all this type of stuff. Like, the Israeli military has something like the greatest, like, um, technology when it comes to surveillance yeah. and everything. Mm-hmm. Our so, mayor went over the most advanced. Mm-hmm. Right. And so that's why, like, like plenty of people have said this. I'm not the first person to say this, but plenty of people have said this. It's like, y'all the most advanced military in the world with all this great technology, right? So you can literally, and they literally can track people through their phones. They created this thing called Pegasus that they can track you through your phone. Yeah. You can do all that, and you're looking for 60 people. Why you got to bomb a whole land strip to find them yeah. if, you got, if you're that technology yeah. advanced? And that's 60, because that's, that's how many, as of right now, um, Hamas people they allegedly have killed. Mm-hmm. But the death toll is 11,000. Right. Isn't that crazy? Mm-hmm. 
So you you had to do all that to find these supposed terrorists or whatever. And so it's just like y'all literally have the technology to just track these people. Right. So you can't tell me you needed to do all that. Right. You bombing hospitals and school. They bombed another school this morning and yeah. killed fifty people. And look, bro, that's that's the that was the one they say they say. Uh, the fourteen hundred on October seventh, mm-hmm. but it was just all right. So it's eleven thousand. But just like just the other day, bro, I woke up in the morning and I, I watch a um a Palestinian reporter that's out there. Yeah, and she like all right, fifteen hundred people just got killed last night. You know what I mean? Just like that, and I'm like all right, fourteen hundred. You talking about that was just last night, bro? It's, it's been like, and it's not, and it's like, and it's not fair because you got to think of like. If you're a Jewish person living over here, if you're an Israeli person living over there, you don't have control of what that government's doing. Yeah. So now they, it's like they're killing people in your name. And it's like there's been extreme, like there's a lady that saw like a building or whatever with a like the Hebrew star David on it, and she drove her car into it. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. it happened, it wasn't even a Jewish it school, a it Jewish was school. the black Hebrew Israelites. Oh, shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's just like. You know, that, so now it's like they got into exactly, and so like rise of anti-Semitism. It's crazy that this I, the Israeli government is doing these things to fight anti-Semitism, but it's making it rise as where as well as Islamophobia. So it's like it's dangerous to be a Jewish person right now, and it's dangerous to be a Muslim person right now, and right. they're not the ones doing any of this shit. It's the Israeli government doing this shit, so, and so it's just like it sucks. It sucks. It, it, like it, it sucks <laughs> to like now you you being associated with that. And it's like, I don't believe in genocide at all. Like, this is crazy. Like, I'm just a Jewish person in America. Like, and so it's, it's, it's been tough to watch because you see friends that are Muslim and you see friends that are Jewish, like, trying to deal with this thing emotionally uh, because, like, like, we're still all people, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's, It's definitely been tough to watch to see those communities hurt. And lose people and all that type of stuff. That's what I said. Mainly babies, bro. Kids. Babies and kids, bro. That was like, goddamn. Well, real quick, yo, you ever seen Israel like before? Black Israel like? Oh yeah, with the cape. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the niggas look like they're doing. The, uh, uh, the, the niggas look like they about to do a church play. Oh my oh, god, geez. bro! Yo, in Philly, they be out there on the quarter going ham, bro. Mm-hmm. With the cape, I, I remember the first time I seen, it, I was like, "The fuck is going on over there?" They was like, "Bro, he had a shirt on with the cape." You feel me? Going bro. in, bro. Yeah, they be turked up. But um, what, what? All right. So, can you get into this movie that you're writing? And, yeah. Um, yeah. About that, what's yeah, going on? Um, so, with with my like comedy career, I just kind of felt like stagnant with like how many tickets I was selling and like my following and stuff. And so I was just like, man, like the next step is definitely like I need to star in like a movie or something. And so I wrote a movie for myself, and of course, like that's expensive to do and expensive to make. So I uh, got with some friends and put together a team, and we crowdfunded to to make like a short film proof of concept version of the movie. Uh, to go take out and shop and pitch and stuff. And so we essentially shot, like, the first 15 minutes of the film to show that, like, the beginning of this movie is so funny and it's cool and stylistically what it looks like. Um, So that way it, like, makes you want the rest of the movie. Um, So, yeah, we went out and shot that. It's called 98 Honda. Um, The premise is basically uh, I play a a drug dealer in 2004. That's that's when it takes place? Yeah, 2004. Mm -hmm. Um, Because... uh, Cause that was just like a pivotal time. I feel like just for like art and stuff, like Kanye, Fifty Cent, like oh, yeah. Spider Man Two came out that year. Like, <laughs> um, and so like the premise of the movie <clears throat> is uh, this is nine year old kid named Sean who's based off of me because I was nine in two thousand four. He's visiting his aunt and his cousin for like the weekend, and so uh, he wants to go see the new Spider Man movie just came out. So he wants to go see that, 
and uh, basically, like the uh, the aunt has to go to church, and the cousin she has to she work a double at the diner, so there's nobody like there to take care of him. And so uh, I'm I'm his cousin's boyfriend, and so she's just like you know like can you watch him for the day? And I'm using her car because I'm broke and I sell drugs out of her car, but she doesn't know that she don't know I'm a drug dealer. And so basically, uh, I did I had all these other things I had to do that day, and now I get stuck with this kid for the day. And there's uh I'm also there's also people after me that. That I have been having to keep a secret, and so it's like. But I also have a nine-year-old with me, and then uh, it turns into like it's like some sci-fi twist in it as well. And so yeah, we're gonna do some big things with it. But for the short, the short film proof of concept is just like the first fifteen minutes. But the film takes place basically over over the course of one day. Okay, that's dope. There's not enough sci-fi, like good sci-fi coming out. I feel like, and definitely not enough black sci-fi. Yeah, we gotta do more. So. Yeah, you just got to keep that going. So, yeah, just trying to create the things I want to see. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, I think that's dope, too, with the sci-fi. Like, that's like the, uh, the Tyrone. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's why that was so dope. That was so yeah. cool, man. I've always wanted to see a black clone movie. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because I feel and, like in the barbershop, we always talking about that shit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> black clone. Yeah, and I really like uh, what Jordan Peele's been doing. And yeah. I, like I really love Nope a lot. Like, that yeah. shit was really cool. So, yeah, you got to check that out. Nope yeah. is crazy. Yeah, and then he just sponsored, or he got like this anthology, of, like black horror writers that just came yeah. out. I'm excited to see that. It's like a book, right? Yeah, yeah, I gotta check that out. Um, and the 2004, I feel like is a cool period. I feel like as like like our generation starts like growing up, like why that Y2K type era mm-hmm. is becoming like like a trend and like feel people feel nostalgic about that. Yeah, that's like, why I wanted to make it. And it's funny because like in the film, like my co-star is this kid, you know, mm-hmm. and so like. He's playing a nine-year-old in 2004, but he's a nine-year-old in 2023. So yeah, like we give, so we, we giving him like, <laughs> like so like he's wearing like an Iverson jersey on. He's like, right. I don't, like he doesn't know who that is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then like he's playing a Game Boy through like throughout. He's like, I want to play an iPad. I don't want to play this. Like it's like, well, we didn't have iPads in 2004, yeah. and so like for him, this very much is a period piece because yeah. he was born in 2015. You yeah. know, so 2004 is a period piece to a lot of people. Like. There are people that don't know what 2004 felt or looked like, so it'll be fun to like bring that to, to the screen because like that it, it is gonna be a period piece in a yeah. sense. So it's like right now, like hip hop, like Lil, today, Lil Durk dropped like a this song called like Smirk Carter, and he's like dressed like Lil Wayne in like Hustler music, oh, the Hustler music video with the wow. big fit. Like some drill rappers out here been like sampling Soldier Boy to tell him. Like and I'm like, yo, it's crazy. Like you sampling, it's like this is a throwback joint. It's like because that's the thing. If you if when you live through something, it's not a throwback to you. Yeah. It's just, it's right. just what it is, what it is. But that's the way we look at eighties music. You know right, what I'm right, right. Just getting older. Mm-hmm. I'm accepting it. It's weird. <laughs> it's weird. It's like, am I getting old? Yeah. Yikes. That shit feel funny though. Yo, mm-hmm. that shit happened. That motherfucker they played one of them songs that you used to jam out to. Yeah. And they say old school, you like, the fuck? Yeah, what you just say? Oh, yeah. I listened to this last week. It's on my playlist, though. It's still on my playlist. Yeah, Hit my Dougie and now like, looking at me funny. Yeah. That's the old school dance. That's old school. That's the running man now. Yeah. Oh, shit, well. Wrap this thing up, yo. Yo, thank you, Niles, for coming through. And before that, y'all can follow Niles on, boom, plug yourself, Niles. Please, follow me on, I guess it's called X now, uh, at Niles100. Um, And then follow me on Instagram at the Niles Ashton Show. And, uh, yeah, and then um, follow the journey. We're making this film. Come check it out. 
still asking for like donations for the post production process. So if you uh, want to be a part of that, please do, and uh, I appreciate it. Yeah. All right. We, we have a platform. My man Rudy, he has his own platform called yeah. Black Sky. And it's like the X joint. And he is it's, it's people on there. Do you feel me? It's a boom. Like check that out. I gotta check it out. Like, yeah, before y'all leave. Yeah, because it is it's a blowing up platform, so that'd be like cool. Boom, you'd be on there. Yeah. Ah. Let's do it. Yeah. That's cool. Black Creatives yeah. Unite. Yes. Yeah, it's a it's a part of like the bigger platform of um Blue Sky if you heard that app. But, okay. Yeah, um, I heard that. Yeah, and so trying to like build up the next black Twitter as like you know as Elon burns down Twitter. Yeah, but, yeah. I feel you. I feel you. Oh uh, yeah. Um, and, and did you did you plug the movie? Did you tell me what movie to, to be on the lookout yeah, for? It's called Ninety Eight Honda. Be on the lookout for it. We're gonna be in all the film festivals. We're gonna be doing screenings around the country. So definitely follow me so you can uh, check that out. Yeah, and just be on the lookout for him when he on tour out here Please. in uh, New York. Uh, shit, he be all over, though. Yeah. I say he about to go to Denver. Well, you're going to Denver to visit his family. But, yeah, he be all over. Yeah, he's <laughs> fire. Thank you for coming through, brother. Of course. Yeah, appreciate you. Thank you. Thanks. I appreciate y'all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Squad. The project, too. Yo. Yeah, I hope y'all enjoyed that interview from now. Um, y'all make sure y'all follow him. Check him out. Um. Yeah, he, he put his uh, he put all his uh, ways to reach him. So yeah, y'all check that out. Um, we got this is our call out section. So um, I'll be marching on on my marches will be on Mondays now. We reject Eric Adams will be on Monday. We marched last week for Palestine. Um, it was a, a great action. We took the street the whole time. Um, uh, it's it's all like you know um, about spreading spreading awareness. Even though it was like named uh, Eric Adams, um, Jack Eric Adams is it was uh, I thought it was like important to show solidarity um, with Palestine. Um, but this week when I go out, I am going to be on Eric Adams' ass. I'm still going to be showing solidarity with Palestine. So when we march to the streets, we still will be spreading awareness about Palestine, but this is more like a direct action to go um, put some pressure on Eric Adams because the spotlight is on his ass right now. And this is where we use, um, you know, I use, this is this is, this is my tactic, I use momentum. I use momentum. While he's on the spotlight, I'm gonna go out there and turn up on his ass and put some more pressure and spotlight on his ass. You know what I mean? So, um, and about everything. Everything, he's, he's in the mix right now. You know what I mean? I'm gonna, I'm gonna shine the spotlight on everything. Um, about this FBI probe, um, about what's going on, um, about how he hasn't addressed his um, hundreds of thousands of Palestinians in, in, in New York. I think that's that's important. You know what I mean? Um, he show he show he show some kind of emotion or some kind of something for what's going on for those people that's shutting down his city. Every fucking day of the week, you know what I mean? They're shutting down his city, and he hasn't opened his mouth yet to address these people. And I think that's sick of that man, you know what I mean? Um, shutting down bridges, doing everything. So he needs to uh, figure that shit out, you know what I mean? And I'm going to put pressure on that. You know, he has a lot to talk about. So, yeah, um, I'm going to use my light to put that back on there. Uh, Thursday, mutual aid, we the people. We the people. Every, Every Thursday, Thursday, 1 o'clock. One until it's done. Golden um, Every Thursday, Stone was a riot as well. At 7, we are going to belly up and educate, liberate the community. Talk, 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 talk. Black trans people, come outside. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, talk, talk, heavy, real deep. <laughs> yeah, I know Black Sky. Um, trying to build the next Black Twitter, building community. We got memes, we got scholars, we got all that. Ooh, talk. So tap in. Um, yeah, get you an invite code. Yeah, we're supposed to be on no, there, and you're supposed to send us our invite code. I, I, I As we really, really be really? lying out this motherfucker, bro. Really supposed to send us our invite code, bro. Apparently, this is exclusive. I thought y'all was going to ask. Right now, I'm supposed to be telling y'all, supposed to be telling y'all my, my, my black sky name and shit right now. But look, we're going to put it right here. Look, there's nothing right <laughs> All right, next week, <laughs> next week, I'm going to do it like this, and hopefully I'm going to have one. Right, Rudy? <laughs> All right, I'm sending, I'm sending the codes as we speak. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, but you gonna follow us on Black Sky, y'all. So like, um, I'll probably put it on my Instagram. But then, uh, y'all will next week. I'll have it. I'm gonna put my hand on like this. It's gonna be like boom, Black Sky, Black Sky, really. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh shit, that's it, y'all. Yo, shout out, y'all. See y'all next week, man. We got another uh fire ass guest. You know what I mean? Um. Yeah, we're going to get into some things. So, uh, talk, talk, talk.